Welcome to The Save Room, your safe haven for gaming, news, and discussion. My name's Kevin. My name is Daniel Silverhands. Oh, God. And this is episode 104. Holy shit, dude. Why am I surprised? I, I was saying that like at episode 40. Holy shit. <laughs> episode, episode 10, 40. episode 20. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Nothing matters. Are you surprised to have a consistent podcast that you, you do stuff with? I'm surprised I get out of bed most days. Um, yeah, but guys, if you didn't know who we are, we are The Save Room. Initially, we wanted to be called uh, D-Pad Discourse, but we landed on a name that people couldn't connect with video games because we thought that would be funner and, and, and good for us. We were wrong. But you can find The Save Room on SoundCloud.com slash The Save Room Show or Spotify or iTunes or Google Play and nothing else matters. If you find us there, it it's a counterfeit. What about Stitcher? I don't care. Counterfeit. Counterfeit. Counterfeit shit, dude. And then also you can find us streaming. I'm at twitch.tv slash the red herb. I play video games on stream. Talk over them. Novel concept. I am pioneering it. And then Daniel, you can find him at twitch.tv slash dungeons and Daniels. Hosting all of Kevin's video games because I don't stream much anymore. You don't auto host me. Yeah, I do. D- well, what, what, I do. It's just there's a pecking order where somebody might have gotten online first before you, like maybe Andy Cortez. And I auto hosted him uh, first. I yeah. mean, he he is, in fact, better than me. Mm-hmm. I will give you that. But guys, we have a very special guest today with us on the save room to talk all about games and gamers. I would like to introduce Nicholas Stinchcomb. What's going on, Nick? Hi. Oh, my How's it going? God. <laughs> it's great. I'm so good. Thank you for asking. Nick, I'm so happy to have you here. You are a friend of the show. You are friends of our souls and you inspire I am, us. I, feel I like am a friend of this show. You're right. I feel Ron. like he's our separated brother from birth in the Great White North. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The Great well, White North. Do they call it that? Don't, they do. They do, yeah. Don't <laughs> oh. skip to the end of the episode because there's a surprise reveal about my genealogy that we're going to get to. So oh. <laughs> Wait, you said don't skip to the end? <laughs> yeah, that's... That's some that's some important stuff. We got to okay. hold on to that. Oh, wait, gotcha. was this the episode where we did the 23 and me results? Oh, <laughs> I <forgot to> <laughs> Shit. Nicholas, first uh, one, I love you. Uh, that's important for the gamers out there to know, Two, I know you as a very passionate person about the pop culture that you are into. Uh, and it's actually really cool to watch you stream. Where can they find you stream, my friend? I stream at uh, twitch.tv slash Dungeons and Daniels. Uh, I've been streaming recently. Uh, Got him. <laughs> oh, it was the next Fin Fan Friday, bro. Uh, well, you know, it's going to be on Friday, obviously. Uh, oh, no, shit. I stream at uh, twitch.tv slash Make Monsters, which is the name that I use literally everywhere. So mm-hmm. if you want to find me doing anything, if you ever find a Make Monsters, it's probably me or this one asshole who got it before me on something else. Was it Instagram? I think it was Instagram. Right? Yeah, I think it was Instagram, probably. Oh, fuck them. I, I, have an I know there's one where I was like, I make monsters, but that was like a band or something. And I was really mad. Oh, you should sue them. Yeah, I should. Yeah, it was I, my I first point of conversation because I've always wondered where did that name come from. Oh yeah, so I, uh, as a hobby and for a while as a potentially professional endeavor, I I used to sculpt all the time and I made little monsters. So it's actually literally literal. Oh, it's just oh, that's literal. so cool. Yeah, yeah I sculpt little. I, I always creatures. thought you were good with your hands. I remember you telling me that that you sculpted. Oh, yeah, I just haven't seen any of your sculptures. And second question, there wasn't a first question, but uh, will you sculpt me? Yeah. You're already so well sculpted, but I can give it a shot. <laughs> what a charmer, this gamer. I'm imagining that scene from Ghost. Yeah. Where he's just behind <laughs> you sculpting a statue of you. 
apropos yeah. of nothing yeah. except for the fact that you mentioned it um we watched that in my like high school senior science class mm-hmm. um and it was completely awkward <laughs> during that scene <laughs> i think the teacher we, stepped uh, out to take like a phone call or something and just didn't give a fuck <laughs> what an odd we watched it watch. during my high school senior art class like no joke <laughs> I think that fits a little better, though. Yeah, it does, actually. I always like that thing in, in middle school and high school where it's like, okay, we're going to watch a movie that really doesn't fit the subject of the class at all. Right. Yeah. Uh, this yeah. is Geography, so we're going to watch Volcano starring Tommy Lee Jones. <laughs> so good. I watched every time. Finding Nemo most... and Pirates oh, yeah. of the Caribbean in Marine Biology. That makes oh, sense. Yeah, that perfect. fits. Perfect. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it teaches you that skeletons can walk underwater without having to breathe. That's important. <laughs> <laughs> teaches about moonlight and what it does to the ocean too yeah uh, oh God, beautiful now, yeah i want to say I've, I've really much appreciated your your meteoric rise on twitch.tv uh watching you play all these uh jrpgs and oh, just yeah. watching you dive back into the the most acclaimed castlevania lords of shadow oh that's castlevania true. lords of shadow i think that was the second thing i ever streamed mm-hmm. i think well, the first thing was probably valkyrie profile that's right that's right i think I can't remember. Uh, it's so long ago. I mean, I've been, been on, I've been Shadow, on the stream actually. train for so long. You have. You're you're an old man when it comes to the yeah. stream game, right? I'm uh, one of the originals. Rubbing rubbing elbows with Doctor Lupo out there and Pokemane yep. and other oh, names yeah. mm-hmm. that I can remember from articles that Nathan Grayson has written. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget content creator of the year, Valkyrie. Oh, that's oh, right. Well, yeah. we'll get into that. We'll get into that. Actually, we have a very big, juicy episode for you gamers out there because this week was Jeff Keighley's The Game Awards 2020 Pandemic Edition, uh, where the Jeff... Game <laughs> Where je- world premiere, where <laughs> where it was no less than what three hours? Yeah, I think it was three and, and a half. half. Three yeah. and a half. God damn, dude! What an exhaustive thing for to to have like the biggest commercial reel. Mm. <laughs> to, like, three fucking hours. Yeah. Oh, oh my god. Because it's typically uh, what two hours with maybe like a light pre and post show. Yeah, yeah. Typically, and I yeah, I think mm-hmm. I think if they if they include everything it barely makes it to like two and a half Mm. usually right Right. and there was commercials that were so interwoven that i couldn't tell the difference between a world premiere and just a normal commercial for Fortnite Mm -hmm. uh throughout the goddamn thing i was like is this an announcement i've never seen this before and it would just be like no 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 no. uh rogue company's been a thing forever and i'm like oh okay (laughs) sure (laughs) but yeah uh my favorite hmm? thing was like (laughs) The Game Awards and Twitch wanting every streamer to stream it, but also being like, hey, we're going to throw a bunch of copyrighted music at you in the moment. <laughs> David Bowie, yeah. Space Oddity. That was incredible. That's like called Every single one was just like, at one after another, copyrighted music, copyrighted <laughs> music. And I'm just like, didn't Twitch like actively ask everyone to stream this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I did. I, I did a little stream along um, and I got... I had to drink halfway through because I couldn't stand um, the Fortnite block or whatever the fuck was happening where they decided to um, uh, stroll out a corpse on stage known as uh, Red vs. Blue. (laughs) (laughs) Like, and confuse the fuck out of everyone under the age of, like, 30 (laughs) at this point i got it i got it i think it's everybody under the age of like 18 nobody knows who that is under the age 18 i know that bar is higher dude we we could have said Uh, that like five years ago maybe that's i'm pretty sure there were some like mid 20 year olds people that were like what the fuck is this yeah for sure but we'll we'll get into that talk we actually have a few news items beforehand to discuss before they get swallowed up by everything known as geoff keely um the world eater 
first thing, I know you, we didn't write it down or anything, but I know you mentioned it, uh, and I played it, so that makes mm-hmm. sense too. Kate Bishop is here, and I don't mean the Disney Plus version, which also she's looks really good here too. Actually, that looks pretty fucking yeah. cool. Yeah. Uh, we're talking about Kate Bishop in Marvel's Avengers, the game that everyone loved for maybe fourteen minutes. 14 and a half, depending on the console version versus PC. Now, I like that we have Nick on the episode for this one, because you're you're one of the people we played this game with the most. Yeah. Yeah. Game rocks, man. Yeah, Except I've... for like every problem with it, which there are myriad <laughs> unending problems, but it's just still fun to play. It really is, because it has we talk about it all the time on the show where it's like the core gameplay is solid. Everything else around it is shallow. Very yeah. simply. Yeah. Uh, did you get a chance to play with Kate? Strange question. Well, so, but have you played so the first? The first thing I did was update the game, and then I updated the game again, and then oh. I updated the game for a third time. Just to be sure. And then, preparing for this very conversation, I did not play as Kate Bishop. Yet. Yes, nice. <laughs> solid. I'm dude. right there with you. Oh, really? Okay, so I'm the only one that's played uh, as Kate. Yeah, I did her mission chain, which she has about, I think, four, or five uh, solo missions, and of course, they recycle environments from the main game, but they add like new stuff to it, which is kind of cool. Where uh, you know those puzzles that you have to solve in the environment, like oh, find the the three or four circle pads in order to unlock like a chest would, behind an area. Would we call those puzzles? Is that the term we'd use? I think that's just it's process of elimination. That, that at best, <laughs> there's not well, else they could be. <laughs> it's more puzzling that they think they are puzzles. Right there, it is. Yeah, it's, it's puzzling that it's sprinkled in literally every aspect <laughs> of that game. Uh, but they change it to where you need to use like her specific arrow techniques in order to unlock stuff, which is interesting. So they actually pivoted cool. the content around her being like a, a big new addition. And uh, first of all, she's one of the best characters in that game to play as. She has a really cool character kit. Uh, I love the fact that they don't just make her like an archer. She is an archer first and foremost, but they also give her a fucking like samurai sword basically. And Ooh. also they give her teleportation techniques because the thing is she stole the teleportation technology from AIM and is just like using it. And even has like a bunch of lines where she was like, oh, it's really hard to get used to at first. And Black Widow goes, yes, you're displacing your guts every jump. <laughs> it's such a good line. So and then, uh, of course, we got uh, Ashley Birch playing Kate nice. Bishop. Yeah, like perfect her. casting. And I think somebody I forget who said it, but they're like, yeah, she's immediately likable. And it's true. The character is immediately likable. She she goes toe to toe making jokes with Tony, which is easy because this version of Tony is terribly written. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, she has funnier jokes than Tony. God damn it. Again, low bar, but low bar, yeah. worth pointing out. Totally low bar. But yeah, her her gameplay is pretty unique and they set up this um this kind of arc that they're going to do with the other content drops with like uh, other Hawkeye, got Hawkeye <laughs> uh yep. coming out, which who knows, that's definitely not going to happen this year, I bet. But yeah, there's a bigger arc like that deals with time travel and actually uses uh Monica, I forget her last name. Do you remember Nick? Monica her name is Monica. Monica Monica um, yeah. <laughs> from the main campaign. She's the scientist supreme right now. That is that correct. Is it, yes. They actually lean into that and it's kind of cool. Um, there's a pretty decent boss fight that you think would just be like a bullet sponge with a super adaptoid, but it's a little more varied than that because okay. you have to do like a big, again, I loosely lose, use the term puzzle, but you have to solve <laughs> an environmental puzzle in order to get to the boss to begin with. So it, it, it's cool. It, it's about like four hours, well, three hours with friends. Um, but if this is a a kind of look into what they're going to do in the future, I'm more optimistic 
But I yeah. also think because of the amount of work that went into this character and the amount of time, we're just not going to get those consistent drops. Like it's going to be another like three, four months before we get another character, which I'm worried about. I feel like we're looking at a yeah. three year roadmap of sorts with all the characters yeah. they have planned between like Spider-Man and Hawkeye and T'Challa. Black mm-hmm. Panther. T'Challa is basically confirmed. Yeah. And War Machine was a part of a leak too. But yeah, I, I, I like what they're doing. But I, it, again, it just feels like uh, the, it's a little too late. Right. Yeah. Like they needed to make that big first first impression and they kind of dropped the ball on that. And so people are already just like, you know, slam dancing on the game and moved on. Right. It feels like the only road back for this game at this point would be to adopt not not the business model, but like the release model of like a free to play game. And just you got to release these things faster, but they can't. That's the thing. Right. They got to keep enticing people and being like new character new character new content and everyone's like oh maybe it's worth it this time but they can't because the amount of time and money it takes to do it and their their plans already for how long that was going to take and when they were going to release things like they'd have to scrap that whole thing i just don't see it happening me neither yeah i don't yeah. see disney slash marvel ever letting it happen either where it's <laughs> yeah. like hey we're, we're not gonna let you make this go free to play oh or yeah, the, yeah 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 that Definitely not. Yeah. Definitely not. They need to recoup. Actually, the game didn't recoup its initial costs. Not not even close. Not even close. Yeah. So yeah. I'm actually kind of worried that maybe around this time next year, we're just going to hear, hear that kind of, you know, womp womp and get a blog post saying, well, Avengers, we love this journey, but, you know, we're not going to finish our content plans because nobody's playing. Thanos or, showed yeah. up and he, he made us all disappear <laughs> with his Infinity Gauntlet. LOL. Yeah. Thanks, community. <laughs> Bye. Yeah, because like the one thing that needs to change too is the fact that like while as cool as it was to play as Kate, I was still doing the whole I'm shooting at bland robots mm-hmm. yep. in the middle of the Pacific Northwest or a tundra. Mm-hmm. The yep. same shit. That's yeah, the that's, that's the biggest problem with the game is that the the combat loop is good, the characters are varied and they feel fun to play, even some of the worst ones. But the thing that you're doing sucks. Yeah, yeah, like it really sucks. I don't know how they. They have said that they're working on stuff to like kind of fix that up and they're going to try to change the gear system a bit. And I just think, again, it's a little like too little too late kind of situation where by the time we get to that, it's just not going to feel powerful. I I think like honestly, the next thing that they could do that would garner interest is implement Mm Spider-Man into the game just because like the goodwill is there with Miles Morales. Yeah, if it takes another year for Spider-Man to come out, I feel like you're just not going to have enough generated swell or hype for it. Nah. Unless it hits that phase two for the game where people like somehow re-onboard. Yeah. You, you need to announce Spider-Man like Tomorrow. spring and he needs to be out <laughs> summer at the very latest. Yeah, totally agree with that. But I will say they did a wonderful job with Kate. I want to give him credit there. Mm-hmm. I was shocked that she wasn't just like clone from bits and pieces of the other characters they've already created she feels wholly unique and that's what's worrisome where it's like wow that's gonna take a lot of time to do that per character dude yeah that means we're in for a long ride right but we'll see what they do i don't i don't know if you guys feel this way but for me that's Mm -hmm. even more disappointing every time they do something really good i'm just like oh wow this game actually could have been really good but instead (laughs) it's fine and fun to play with friends yeah, yeah, for a game that big and with as much like hype around Marvel, especially oh with the God, yeah. you know Disney Plus saying they're going to do ten thousand Marvel shows <laughs> and they're all streaming to your face soon. Yeah, um, it, it's they it needed to be better than fine. Oh yeah, <laughs> very yeah, simply, yeah. right? That's the the problem. I don't even want to just say with like games of service type games, but all games these days where I feel like they're just getting pushed out of the door before they're ready. 
And it's just oh, like, yeah. okay, well, the studio and the fans are just having to be left to clamor with that and just kind of roll with it as it goes. Mm-hmm. And at that point, like, I mean, you've seen the the install base lessen over time. There's so much attrition for players. And it's like, okay, well, hopefully they keep on with the same gusto and they can generate hype back to it. But it just feels like by that point, it's like nobody's going to care. Because yeah. I don't know. I don't want to say that we have, like, goldfish memory as gamers, but we do move on to the next thing pretty quickly. That's true. Oh, yeah. 100%, especially with so many studios producing these new live service games mm-hmm. over and over and over again so quickly, plus the ones that have actually stuck around our competition as well, right? Like, so they're already competing with like Destiny 2 and a whole bunch of other games. And then if the next new thing comes out, even if it's not great, it's still newer than this. So people are going to jump on it, what, give it a try. What would it take? I mean, we've seen games like anthem you know try to do something like anthem next we've seen no man's sky try it we haven't seen it yeah <laughs> and then we've seen <laughs> games like uh final fantasy 14 which you're super familiar with nick that have had these sort of yep. kind of like mid-cycle rebirths and yeah, i gotta wonder if it's around, gonna yeah. take something like that for this game to really like hit with people I'll... again maybe like a free month on like ps plus to get people back <laughs> on and then it's like okay here's our new content push mm-hmm. of like you yeah know, the game scope and new missions and story but what do you, think you i would say you need to do basically what what destiny 2 did which is yeah you make you make your core game experience either free or much cheaper easy easily accessible and you got to do something like they did with uh whatever their not any of the more recent expansions, but whatever one, it was called Forsaken. It mm-hmm. saved that game entirely. And one of the reasons it did it is they completely restructured everything. Like the entire way the guns worked, the stuff you could equip, how it worked, all that stuff, the entire loot system was reached, was completely changed. They had a really cool storyline attached to it. Lots of multiplayer content was tweaked and changed. And that came at the same time as them reducing or removing the cost of their core game. And like, so everybody flocked back to see it and then they stayed because it was good. You need to do both things. You have to do both. Yeah. Because if it's just free for like a month, people will play it and then they'll stop and they'll never come back. Yeah, I agree with that totally. And I I would hope that uh, with Square Enix as a publisher, they aren't ready to like just scrap it right away because they have gone through, like we said, that cycle before of like, let's save this game because we've invested so much already. Because uh, that Marvel license, that ain't cheap. Mm-mm. You can't imagine yeah. it's cheap to do that, right? Yeah, so totally. I, I would hope for that. I think, you, I think you're right about that. You would do that, and the perfect time to do it, like, you know, put it free in PS Plus is like when Spider-Man comes out. Mm-hmm. Like, yep. get everyone in there, and then give them something where it's like, oh, wow, we also reconfigured gear systems and how this works, and then now there's drop-in, drop-out co-op because yep. that didn't make any fucking sense. <laughs> The other thing would be, I kind of hate them, honestly, just with how they're deceptive a lot of the time and they're not that like useful in the long run, but they need a really concrete roadmap that they can show people that they consistently hit points on and don't keep pushing things back on. Because if they do that and get everybody back around when Spider-Man's out, people would be like, okay, I'll stick around because I see some other stuff that I like is coming. Yeah. Right. Yeah, totally agree with that. It's it'll be really hard. They have to do a lot right. Yeah, because the thing is right now that, you know, they had to prioritize like fixing all the bugs and issues with the game and matchmaking issues. And that totally just pushes out whatever roadmap they may even had internally, because it sounded like they did have one in mind Mm -hmm. and it just got totally scrambled. Right. So but yeah, I agree. They need to come out and be like, hey, 
<laughs> we're putting our uh, best foot forward on this. Here's our roadmap. Here's what we're doing. And here's why you should get excited about this game again. Sorry. Also, here's the uh, upgraded for like next gen, you know? Oh, yeah. We, totally, we definitely yeah. have a PS5 yeah. Xbox Series mm-hmm. X upgrade. It, it, the PS4 version runs really well on the PS5, by the way. Like all of my issues with like PS4 Pro are like gone. Hmm. So part of that's like, you know, them obviously patching it. And the other part is the fact that it just runs on it's running on better hardware. Mm-hmm. So that, you have nice. to wonder maybe when they were designing the game, knowing that PS five was coming so soon that they optimized it for PS five rather than PS four. It's possible yeah. to save some money. Uh, actually, I don't know. That might be the thing. Cause I they, don't know. They constantly mentioned next gen mm-hmm. during their yeah. development and thought that they would have the upgrades available close to launch, mm-hmm. which did yeah. not happen. <laughs> yeah. So maybe, I mean, we've seen that happen with a few studios so far where they have that kind of upgrade planned in mind, but then things change yeah yeah totally it's, it's a bummer because I, I really do want to see this game succeed not that i'm a big fan of game of service models or games like that but, but you I, love marvel but i like marvel a lot i think the this the core story was great like you guys said the character interactions and core gameplay is fun it's just after a month of doing it over and over it got bland and i got tired yep. of it it's and it's it's silly because there are other games that i've stuck around with that model for for longer like monster hunter or overwatch mm. where it's like i'm literally doing the same thing but there's something about it that just kept me with those games longer mm-hmm. i think they, they just have a more solid gameplay loop mm. in general like they're just better games like again the <laughs> gameplay loop is super fun in this game but the fighting is fun what you're fighting is not fun whereas in like monster hunter i love the monsters and i love how my character fights right like i have both things Whereas yeah. in this game, it's not. You don't have both. Yeah, totally agree with that. Gamers, gentlemen, <laughs> gamers first. Uh, we have a lot in this episode. Ooh. Should we move on to the next yes. subject, so. my yeah. friend? Uh, number one on here. I don't know why I number these things. Halo Infinite is releasing fall 2021. Nick, I know you're very excited. The Master Chief. Uh, Huge Chief fan here. Best character in video games. John Spartan. Oh my God. <laughs> 117. <laughs> anyway, here I got some, let me just read to you boys. Microsoft's killer app was originally supposed to launch alongside the Series X and S, but after a rough gameplay presentation in July, 343 Industries made the decision to delay the game until 2021 to continue polishing it. Apparently, the game needed about a year's worth of polish because the studio just announced it's going to release next fall. Joseph Staten, a Halo veteran who rejoined 343i. They abbreviate that way. That's not that's not just me. I thought it was a typo at they first when I was no. going back to the doc. No, they, like, they, no, they straight up do that. They don't, they don't like being in the industry. Anyway, uh, he rejoined as a creative director this year, wrote on a blog post, quote, Yep, that's when the game is coming out. End quote. <laughs> <laughs> I love quotes from developers. <laughs> so good. <laughs> it's really good. Uh, he, he followed up with, quote, And from now until then, every one of us at 343i and our great partner teams will be building, testing, and polishing an experience we hope all of you love. End quote. Now, prevalent feedback from the community, i.e. people that want to see Master Chief's face and romance it, was directed toward the graphical quality of the pre-release footage. Many consider the graphics to be not next-gen and but. <laughs> <laughs> to avoid further Craig memes, 343's blog post shared new Spartan character models and environment screenshots that so far look vastly improved since we saw the game last. Utilizing a host of new graphical techniques, the team is driving, quote, the visual quality forward from both an engineering as well as an artistic front. 
end quote. uh, Staten had the opportunity to play Infinite's campaign twice through and even provided a five-second review. I can't believe he he did this. He actually did. Quote, I was, in a word, stunned in in the best possible way by what the team had done. Infinite is by far the most expansive and vertical Halo world ever. Why did the team do this? (laughs) Because they understand that wonder and freedom are key to the Halo experience, end quote. And and the fact that Master Chief suit jacks him off. Master Chief, wonder, and key, the Halo Infinite story. (laughs) If there's there's anything that I associate with uh, wonder and freedom, it's verticality and vertical space. Like when I think of being free, I think of looking up. It's the same, same. I love it. I, I love. I just want to climb stuff, and I, I'm glad that they understand this about the Halo experience. So, so, are they taking Craig out? Is that what I'm to? Oh, Craig, Craig is in the game. Okay, okay. They're they're just making him a little bit prettier, mm-hmm. which I think he's beautiful as is, and yep. this is pure fuckery. Okay, yep. pure fuckery. So to, to give a little more insight too, we we also saw a bunch of creative leads leave the game basically after it was shown off in July. Oh, woof! Yeah, that was rough. Uh huh. And that is actually a common thread throughout this game's development. Like people have just come and gone left and right. And I'm, you know, usually you want to say that speaks to a kind of a troubled um, environment for the game. Like one way or another, it's just something people are saying, all right, quitsies, right? Or they're just getting other opportunities and say, I don't want to fucking work on Halo for the next five years of my life. We (laughs) don't know the actual reasons. (laughs) It might just be the length of time, right? Like maybe they've just been on this game for so long and they're like, yeah, I've got a better offer. So I'm going to do that now. Yeah, I actually, to put it in perspective, like I've been on my current team at my job for like two, almost three years. And I feel like I've been there for 10. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine working on a title like fucking Cyberpunk, for instance, that took seven years. I would be like, this is my entire life. It's the only thing I'm committing to the world. What? I need to go. (laughs) Right. So, so I wouldn't say that that indicative of the game being in trouble, but obviously they took a look at it and said, we can't launch it in whatever state that we intended to in 2020 for whatever reasons. Apparently. It's funny mm because even, if it isn't indicative of a bad state of the game, it's still not something you want to see because then you have to turn over to people that weren't working on it. So like you have to, everybody who's new has to learn everything you've already put into the game. Maybe they don't function the same way with the team, right? So that's just going to slow you down every time you have turnover. Even if it's not for a bad reason, it's still going to affect your timeline significantly. Yeah, totally will. I mean, I, a year delay too. I got to say, I haven't seen that for any game where they were so sure it was going to release like just a couple months out that they're like, because we've heard like four month delay, five yeah. months, six months, fuck a year. Like it's coming out next fall. Like, wow. I, I like would have been less surprised. With... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Nick. I, I, I would have been less surprised with it being delayed three months. And then in three months, it would be delayed another four months. Like I've seen that before, right? The continual shifting delay up to a year plus, but very rarely do they actually like point at it and say, this will not be ready for another year. Yeah. That's kind of big surprise. But at the same time, I, I don't think it's a bad thing overall for the product. Here's the thing about halo. I'm not the biggest halo fan in the world, but I played all of them. Right. And they were a big deal back in the day to the point where, Halo was so mainstream that it was impossible to think of having a 360 or Xbox without having that game. It was a guarantee. We don't live in that world anymore. 
Like yeah. the Xbox is out there and there's people who are like, oh yeah, I've never fucking pick up Halo mm. or, or even Gears. That, like that's a crazy turnaround for like Microsoft's killer product, right? So for me, this game can't launch bad. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it can't go through the tried and true story of launches, has a bunch of matchmaking and bugs and issues and performance problems and gets better over time. That No, it will be... Like they will, they will put this franchise on ice if that happens for this game. So that, but this is why this move makes total sense to me. Where Phil's like, no, 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 no. You make sure there's a gold star on this product when it gets out there, right? And it's smart. It's a better experience for people that actually really want this. And that word of mouth is going to trickle down to people that might been on the fence for it. It's it's a safe bet, especially because like the last Halo, I don't think was very well received. No, five, no. Yeah. And no way th- this method of like pushing it out is way better than, you know, having a first party game out at launch just to have it out for a console launch. Yeah, um, I know they're they're probably hurting without it, but, you know, they, they have other stuff that's kind of speaking to the, the Xbox library currently. And people are still onboarding with the Series X anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, I just feel like they just have so much at stake to get it right. And I hope yeah. they do. Yeah. Let's not forget their other plan to make the multiplayer completely free to play. Yeah. That that's yeah. got to be a huge shift for them too. Of like that's how they're intense. Do that. Yeah, like logistically, it's like, hey, we have this you know paid for product, and then also the free version of it. How are we going to manage both? You know, yeah. we, I, I wonder if that led to any of the delay. Maybe I would imagine, yeah, because mm. they it's, haven't done that before. Yeah, and it's possible that was even a decision that they came to later on in the game's development. Like maybe originally they were thinking of having it be just like a a package together thing. Uh, And then later on they were like, oh yeah, this will go really good with our, like just our general service model. Because yeah, Microsoft's service model is very different than it was like five years ago. Mm -hmm. They're focusing so much on uh, Game Pass and like just providing a lot of value for very little investment and less on that, like that killer app, this is our IP thing more on like spread our games anywhere they can go. Game Pass is amazing. We're providing these services. Even like buying one of the new Xboxes, you can do those like payment plans that are really easy. Mm -hmm. Like that seems to be their new thing is ease of access and just like being pro-consumer. And so it might've been something they decided later on when they they made this specific shift as well. Yeah, I think that would make sense. It, It seems like there's just a lot of shifting decisions as as happens in game development from what i understand about the initial delay that happened in august like it happened in a weekend like phil spencer was like on a phone call and it was just like oh that's where we're at and they all made the decision together like this wasn't something where like they really thought they were going to come out in november right so yeah i I think it's i think it's good i think it's Mm -hmm. way better to do that than than release something half-baked like i There's so many games these days get released half-baked, and it drives me absolutely up the wall. Oh, that's a common theme on this episode, by the way. Yep. Yeah. Any any other thoughts on the Halos? Are are we excited to see anything out of this, this campaign that's so vertical? I'm excited. Uh, I haven't played a Halo since Reach. Reach was the last Halo I played. Uh, and I actually really liked Halo Reach. I thought it was good. Um, I like Halo. I'm excited for the next Halo to bring back like a subtitle, like Reach or Combat Evolved. I want Halo Combat more evolved <laughs> or re-evolved. I don't know. Uh, Halo. I don't know. What would you? I guess Halo Vertical Revolution would sound pretty cool. I'm into that too. <laughs> How about um, uh, Mark Echoes Halos Getting Up? Oh, there it is. <laughs> there we go. 
We did it. <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm excited for Halo. Yeah. I haven't been for a while. I, I didn't care about either of the previous, I guess, Halo 4 uh, at all. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. think I even touched it. I, th- I think that's the thing for me. I want to be, I want to have a reason to be excited about Halo. Yeah. Right? Like, and and think, I think, I, mm-hmm. I think a very key thing that happened was when they showed this new Halo at the, at the new Xbox release thing, when we all got to see it for the first time, people were not excited. Yes. And yeah. it's, they're doing the right thing to get that hype back up, I think. Yeah, I actually really appreciate that they, like, you know, didn't make the publishing decision going like, well, we got to hit our date, so yeah. they'll get excited when it comes out. This is just, totally. this is just a scent. No, 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 no. They're hearing it from almost every channel, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, kudos to 343 being, like, patched in enough to be like, yeah, we're going to do something, right? Because if you go to uh, that Kevin, blog post. Kevin, it's a 343i, sorry. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh my God, Phil, I apologize. <laughs> um, Master Chief John, John Spartan, <laughs> if you could forgive me. Uh, yeah, so like you know, they they weren't just gonna do the we're gonna release it and fix it later. Shit, I respect that more than anything. Microsoft out there making them good moves. I'll give them that credit. I'll give them that credit right now. Oh I mean, yeah, the initial fan critique about it on Twitter and everywhere else was so loud that like, how could you not respond to it? Yeah. And yeah. that just is what it is. I mean, well, I hate gamers, so yeah. that's how easy it is to not respond. I, to them. I, I hated the argument that people were doing side by side by side comparisons of like this game and what whatever build it is streaming on whatever it was during like an Xbox conference and then comparing it to like the finished product, like The Last of Us Part Two. And it's like, look at the graphical difference. And it's like these games are in two different ballparks right now. And have two is, different art styles, by two the different way. art styles. And it's well, in pre-production. And, and they're completely functionally different, too. Right. Like one of them's a fast paced shooter and the other one is a story driven beauty engine. Like, exactly. <laughs> But but with that, it probably took them, you know, looking back and being a little bit more introspective and be like, you know yeah. what, maybe this isn't where we want to be at, you know, come mm-hmm. November with the launch and everything else. Yeah. Um, I'm hopeful for it as somebody who's really never played Halo outside of the multiplayer. I hope that Infinite Sky's the Limit is uh, my kind of <laughs> onboarding point. Because um, I, I imagine by the time I get an Xbox Series X, I will be that sort of person that just kind of patches in just for the game's pass of it all. Yeah. And to, to have kind of like that, you know, new killer Halo game would be neat for somebody like me who's never played one it's phil spencer's autobiography the game pass of it all (laughs) beautiful i have one more question before we move on sure i just realized even though we've said it about 50 times that this halo game is called halo infinite yes is this game gonna have a bioshock infinite style mindfuck ending where we find out that there are trillions of master chiefs and trillions of different universes (laughs) there's always a chief and a lighthouse what There's a always vertical. a chief and a halo. <laughs> I hope I want a big twist like that. Cause what, right. I, they're running out of twists in that series. They already got rid of Cortana, by the way, she's gonzo. What? Uh, I didn't yeah. know that. Oh yeah. My I'm God. sorry. Spoilers. Oh my God. I'm sorry. John Spartan. I failed you again. Um, but yeah, I, I actually, so I'm one of the few people that may enjoy that. No, that's not true. They wouldn't make fucking 500 halo novels if people didn't like the universe but people like them they get bought multiplayer yeah they get yeah. they get bought real well yeah i i like it even though it's basically fucking robert heinlein's uh, starship troopers <laughs> that's that's exactly what halo is by the way <laughs> maybe without like the criticism about militarizing everything because it's like hoorah military right gamers <laughs> maybe without the point <laughs> <laughs> there we go <laughs> but I, I do like um there's like a deeper lore to the halo universe and part four and five began to imply that uh, there's greater machinations that have birthed the Master Chief than him just being a military boy. And I yeah. thought that was more interesting. And I, I hope to see that picked up in some way. But yeah, um, yeah it I'll is- put it to you this way. Mm-hmm. I don't care about Gears of War, but I actually really like the Gears of War story. 
Yeah. And like Halo is similar where like I don't love Halo, but every time somebody tells me about the Halo story, I'm like, yeah, fuck yeah, this is great. Yeah, same Even here. More. All the comics, too, are really fucking yeah. cool. Yeah, it's like it, it just the lore is good and I want to see more of it in the games. And I think part five tried to do that, but the gamer's initial reaction was I don't want to play as not Master Chief and then we just get <laughs> mad. So, mm. yeah, this is why it's, you know, all you see is the chief. But you know what? In this game, what I want 10 minutes in, he gets fucking blasted to death destroyed Ooh. murdered and then I want, a, and then a girl chief takes over the mantle and she's called master chief there's no difference we just say that's master chief and then the gamers will die one by one she'll be, she'll be called remaster chief <laughs> remaster chief <laughs> i want that guy that we've seen in the demo that chief is kind of like mocking and like who doesn't want to go out there to just shoot him in the back <laughs> yes that'd be great and they reveal just his name is Neil done Druckmann. with this shit <laughs> <laughs> shit <laughs> <laughs> I'd be a somber guitar plays. <laughs> All righty. The next thing on here before we move on to Jeff Keeley's nightmares, uh, we're going to talk about cyberpunk for a while. Strap in gamers. Oh boy. Sorry. Fuck that. Wake up samurai. There we go. I did it. I'm nice. Johnny. Silver. You did it. Yay. Cyberpunk 2077's rough release includes bugs, seizures and targeted harassment, which None of that surprised me to put that into a sentence, by the way. No, nope. I was so, surprised by yeah. the seizures. Uh, yeah, that's a weird one. We'll get into that. So seven years after it was announced, CD Projekt Red has finally launched Cyberpunk 2077. If you're playing the RPG on consoles, however, you might be wishing they would have waited. Even the humongous day one patch didn't prevent players from running into nasty glitches, performance problems and game crashes. Other players would encounter wardrobe malfunctions like their character's <laughs> penis clipping through their clothing. Just another day. Really? <laughs> My V would appear completely naked whenever I looked into her apartment's bathroom mirror. Given how CDPR treats sexuality in Night City, I was totally prepared to believe that this was a design choice rather than a lewd bug. It's true. I was just like, this is the weirdest fucking choice this game made. Is And then when somebody told me that, like, I think Chelsea told me in your chat the other day, Nick. She was like, no, no, that's a bug. I was like, oh. Yeah, see, I, I completely would uh, believe that that was real. I I was willing to. I was just like, yep, that sounds like mm -hmm. what they think this game should be. Well, bugs are features, so, you know, I'm used to it. True. That is true. Now, the developer promptly rolled out a hot fix for PC and PS4, and I hear the Xbox One is up too, that mitigated some, but not all of these issues. They also added a formal epilepsy warning to the game. That's because a strobing effect used during the game's brain dance sequences caused Game Informer writer Liana Rupert to suffer a seizure. Rupert described the sequence in an article for Game Informer called Cyberpunk 2077 Epileptic PSA, which I do uh, think that you should check out. Because she also details where in the UI beyond that could also cause, if you're sensitive to light, like issues mm. for sure. Because this game is a neon thunderfuck. Okay, <laughs> like keep that in mind. So here's her quote. Brain dances are something that CDPR has been talking about as a feature for a while now, and it's an intricate part of the story from start to finish. BDs allow players to interface with memories, often of the deceased, by plugging into a mainframe and diving in. Pretty much everything about this is a trigger, and this is something that caused me to have a grand mal seizure when playing to help with our review. End quote. Now, to their credit, CDPR responded to Rupert's story, thanking her for bringing it up, and promised the team is looking into a more permanent solution for seizure-inducing portions of their game. 
Rupert's willingness to put herself in harm's way to warn others has inspired other AAA developers to reach out and say they're reevaluating their own development processes to be, quote, more inclusive regarding neurological accessibility, end quote. She confirmed on Twitter that CDPR has shared new brain dance animations with her that she feels will make epileptic and non-epileptics feel safer playing the game. So they were depending on the what is called the end user license agreement that very briefly mentions that there might be some strobing light effects that could induce seizures, but like that actually doesn't show up at the beginning of the game. You got to yeah, go the one that's that. like in every video game, basically. Yes. Yeah, that most yeah. people don't even read. Right. Although it's funny because a lot of video games do have a seizure warning, even when they're games that are not actually known for causing seizures, and they do put them at the start of the game. So it's even weirder that. They didn't even think of that of this for this one. Yeah, it feels like a big oversight, especially when, like I said, the entire game is a neon thunderfuck on the eyes. Oh, yeah. I went through the yeah, sequence, yeah. actually, because I picked up the game because I'm, I'm a true gamer mm-hmm. and it's it's a decent sequence, but it makes you wonder. It's like it's it's extravagant and not to put a pun on it, flashy for no yeah. fucking reason. It's was this worth it kind of situation. Exactly. And it very much feels like they're especially with a big push with games like last of us part two having these accessibility options and keeping in mind that how do we make our games as inclusive to people as possible it really feels like cdpr spent seven fucking years not thinking about these things it's it's strange because they spent all that time like thinking about like genital sliders and they really (sighs) could be thinking about something like this that would impact the player in the end Yeah. yeah and then to have to like have this you know kind of pop up right around your launch you never want these conversations to to take away from the fact that like hey we spent a lot of work and effort and people definitely crunched by the way confirmed crunched to get this game out the door and then have the conversation enveloped around the fact that it's completely buggy and might even cause you a fucking seizure that's not good no it's it's also just it's really like it's awful that this happened at all but it's really fucking embarrassing that an outside person that was like has nothing to do with their studio has to tell them this is a thing like yeah. it's not even that they catch it like like a day a day after it's launched and they're like oh we're patching this don't worry someone else has to tell them this is a thing like how does that happen that's a great question actually i mean you do have studios like ubisoft for instance uh would actually call in consultants to talk about their accessibility features and be like, hey, does this does this work? And what are we what are our what are our actual like spots here that we wouldn't even think about? Like totally. what callouts can you make? And it seems like that never happened for this game. And I'm well, curious and e- what else we're even, gonna find. Yeah. Not even that too, because like when you think about it, you're like, yeah, yeah, that's a great thing to do, right? You want to get people to come in, tell you what you could have missed. How the hell did you miss this? If I see these sequences, me, someone who does not have epilepsy, and I don't even know anybody who does, my immediate thought would be, this could be dangerous. I sure hope they checked. Like, right? it's such a, an automatic thing. You'd look at it and be like, yeah, this could be a problem, but I'm sure they did their research on it. Like, god damn. I mean, it, it happens, and I hate to say it like that. Like, this is a thing that happens and, and slips through the cracks. But, I mean, look at Disney and Pixar with The Incredibles 2, where there was a very seizure-heavy sort of uh, sequence with strobing lights and everything that they didn't even put a warning up for that either. So it's one of those That's things true. where I feel like it, mm. sometimes it just – whoever is responsible for that marketing or putting up that sort of, like, warning – they just drop the ball and it's unacceptable. You can't just say, oh, we dropped the ball on this sort of thing because this could be very damaging to people. The fact that she was able to continually subject herself to it and work through it ever, like 
completely, not everybody's going to be able to do that, mm-hmm. you know, because grand mal seizures, from what I've heard, are very serious. Yeah, they're they're extreme. Yeah. I mean, it, it really goes to show that um, there needs to be a consistent standard. Like I like the need is there. There absolutely is a need for this where you need to have these consultants doing at least even if you even if it's not incorporated like early on in the process of developing a game, like it's not affecting your decisions uh, from the ground. You need to at least have just like you play test a game, have somebody who is a consultant on accessibility, sit down, review your game, give you feedback of what's going to cause a problem, because that's how you could have caught somebody going, hey, you're going to induce seizures with your fucking stroby light sequence that you totally repeatedly yeah. have in your video game, by the way. So it's, mm. <laughs> yep. it's it's almost like the things that we do have, like the ESRB and like the Peggy rating system and stuff like the way that they work where like your your game needs to be rated before it's put out the door you need something like that where you need to have your game like looked over by a group or an organization or something that can actually like put a stamp on it that says yes we have looked at this it is fine or Mm -hmm. yes we've looked at it and these are problems so be aware of them right like where it's a requirement because like i honestly i esrb and peggy i think it's kind of stupid it's the same thing i i generally rating systems like that are kind of dumb but like the fact that games basically need these ratings to be able to be sold in certain places gives me hope for like a way that you could control this kind of thing in the future and just make it be a literal requirement like you cannot release this game until it's been certified in some way Mm -hmm. yeah i totally agree with that and i think events like this like this article uh what what uh liana went through is a force function it's like this is what happens hey People are dying a bunch in cars whenever they get into a crash. How do we mitigate this? Seatbelts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like this is this is what happens. We have the learning. There's no excuse not to change development processes to accommodate that. And I do think it, it needs to be a certification system that is applied massively, like across the board, right? Yeah. Because um, we already have qualifiers for games, like you know, certify that it's not too buggy to be mm-hmm. released on like PlayStation yep. and whatnot. Although the big AAA like. <gasps> gets past that one apparently but you know <laughs> but how do those typically work is it like this rating board taking stuff at a vertical slice or are they playing the full game and catching every last little thing that could be you know yeah rate worthy or well know. the thing is think of the about the esb or sorry the esrb mm-hmm. the or peggy they are reviewing the game like holistically mm-hmm. they're going from it from start to finish to see what content would turn it from like let's say t to m mm-hmm. it's the yep. same way where you have a certification board going i played this game from start to finish here's every okay. like instance and they have guidances for like what to look for right seizure warning stuff and mm-hmm. other things that could potentially be damaging to somebody who would have who plays and has maybe disabilities or sensitivities i wasn't sure how thorough that process was for those certain communities. I'd, I'd imagine yeah, it'd have the, to be pretty thorough yeah they're required to be at least for like the rating boards they're required to be quite thorough yeah how much of this do you think was just maybe like CD Projekt Red maybe hitting like street? Um, how do I want to say like um, street date? No, well yeah, street date and then street um, cred, street cred, street kid, and oh. then cre- like creep scope. Maybe they were so focused on like the thing that they were doing that they didn't yeah. consider it. They're like, oh, we have this cool mechanic, this cool detective mechanic called Brain Dance, and it, people are gonna I, love it. Hmm. And they just didn't think anything beyond that. I a hundred percent believe that that is probably the case. Yeah, I, I can't imagine. So like the there are two alternatives. One of them is that uh well one of them is malicious and then they just decided <laughs> not to do it. And I can't imagine that's the case. Like there's no way they did that on purpose. Uh and then the other one is just incompetence, where like they would see it and then just decide, oh, our end user thing is enough for that, like our end user agreement. 
so like i have to imagine it's literally just like they 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 overlook it entirely which again i wouldn't even call that incompetence it's just like there aren't good enough standards that would require you to look at it more carefully and actually see it right i i don't know if that's maybe like a uh like a regional thing where it's like you know they're making this game out of poland and in europe versus like how we might have had different like american standards for it i don't know how much of it comes down to that but it's possible mm-hmm. it's also possible because they're a theory like not they're not actually a small studio anymore but they're a comparatively small studio and it's possible again just like what you were saying like it might have been something that people were even talking about at some point and maybe they thought they had it handled maybe somebody talked to somebody else and they thought this person was going to go to talk to someone about it and they never did and they they all thought it was handled like they're, mm-hmm. who knows mm-hmm. regardless though i think at the end of the day it shouldn't have to come to like liana doing the work for them no. exactly you know being part of no. their now like committee to like just make sure this game is vetted in a way where it's like okay cool does this meet new standards is this harmful for people like me and, and other consumers like that should exactly be responsibility. Yeah. no definitely not now i got some more terribleness uh regarding the subject of cyberpunk on here it's a different subject but another unfortunate byproduct of cyberpunk's launch is unwarranted harassment cali Pla- plague plug 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 how do I say that? Nick, do you have a bone in this race? Callie. I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to say plug. Plug. Callie Plog, GameSpot's reviews editor, awarded the game a 7 out of 10, an above average score because as her review details, she had an above average experience. Makes sense, right? Issuing an opinion with any level of visibility on the internet is, of course, a mistake. Plog became the focus of intense scrutiny across social media, where individuals that hadn't played the game themselves claimed that Plog hadn't either. It's a bullshit claim to make that only serves to publicly diminish the work of a woman, which is exactly the type of hate-mongering that YouTubers like the quartering Baskin. On December 8th, this piece of shit posted a video titled, quote, Terrible Cyberpunk 2077 Review Busted. She didn't even play the game. GameSpot is a complete joke, end quote. Which isn't a title so much as it's a piss-baby YouTube comment unto itself and also a lie. The content of the video clarifies that he's being hyperbolic, arguing that the elements of the game Plog ignored during her playtime was the same as not playing it. I'm uncomfortable giving this hair-speckled turd any amount of oxygen, but I wanted to take the time to point out this person is pathetic and has no qualms about instigating online harassment toward women, a consistent theme of his fucking diatribes. So, I hate that man, (laughs) and he caused a little bit of a stink uh there and i think it's it's not something that you can just peg on him too i think it's a a mindset of course he propagates it and that's shitty and Mm -hmm. we should not fuel that kind of content but it's a consistent fucking thing right where it's like women in media are targeted constantly and it doesn't help it really doesn't help that it seems like the mentality and the marketing around this title which shows shitty representation by the way Mm -hmm. how it uh, deals with trans folk and the way that they decided to do this edge lordy meme way of communicating through their social channels just seems to invite the kind of person that would create something like this, like the quartering. How do you feel about this shit, Nick, besides incensed? I hate that guy uh, so, so, so much. Uh, God, it makes me extremely angry. And just the general, th- this kind of stuff, it, it happens all the time, obviously, yeah. right? It uh, it all links back to even before it, but it all always links back to like Gamergate and that Gamergate shit, um, yeah. which is always, always, 
always about a woman in some way or another it's always just like oh yeah this is about this thing and it's like you you trace it back all the way and it's like ah yes someone harassing a woman because she cares about video games in some way um i think even at its base saying that because somebody didn't fully engage with every system in a game they shouldn't be able to have an opinion reviewing it is one of the most absurd things i've ever heard yep uh I think that's really stupid because part of his thing in his video is he's like, look, she even admits she didn't do blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah, you, you do that. You tell people what you engaged with and what you didn't and how that informed your review of the game. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's just honest reviewing slash journalism. Like that's what you want to see. And like nobody who reviews video games engages with them 100 percent, especially not the big ones. Like nobody who played Assassin's Creed Odyssey and got a review out by like review day like street date or whenever they can launch it actually did everything in that game Mm -hmm. because you can't there's too much to do right like it it's such an absurd requirement to have of people in any way shape or form and it's also just clearly just a smokescreen bullshit thing to be able to point at a woman and say like ah she shouldn't be reviewing games it's disgusting correct for for one it's like this game reviewers got it a week before it came out so how do you really expect them to engage with everything especially a massive rpg open world experience like this where no two players are going to have the same experience or engage with it the same way yeah (laughs) exactly and like it's a game that's touted as being massive Mm -hmm. like that there's so many different like okay do I have the right to review the game if I haven't played through as every single like starting version of the character? <laughs> if I haven't gone through every skill tree, like it's the same argument. Yeah. It's just so stupid. There, there are different it's sorts such a... of critiques and essays and video things for that, you know, 100% completion discussions. And like, yeah. that's not what this is. And they never are like early reviews, street date reviews never are because they can't be. It's just it's such a it's such a pathetic <laughs> Jeremy Hamley's a piece of shit. He's he's a bad guy. He's a bad person. Uh, and he does this stuff all the time. But obviously, he's not the only one. No, not at all. It just happens to be this one. And obviously, people latch on to this too, right? Yeah. That's part of the oh, problem yeah. as well. Um, and I don't even think stifling out, you know, like deplatforming somebody like the quartering would even begin to approach the problem. No, no, not even close. Like it, it, it's, it's, it's mentality. It's mentality shift. If you want to make the argument just about reviews, you need to understand there's no such thing as an objective review. Fuck off. Yeah. It's written by a human being. There's no such thing as mechanical review that's going to be like we ascribe to this one metric universally we don't we obviously don't there's four point systems there's 10 point systems Mm -hmm. and each publication has its own standard for what that means based off of the content of a review which in of itself is an opinion to begin with right the crazy thing even within like tying back to it being opinion but not even just that even within these individual organizations that have their own metrics and standards people are fallible so they and we can't read each other's minds so even though we've read a marking rubric we're not going to mark the same way it's not possible to do it so people will think they're interpreting like this is how we review at ign they're going to think they're interpreting it the same as the other person but maybe they're not right so like individual reviews even within the same publication will hold different weight because people like different things. They value different things and they see and experience things differently. Like it, it, and to want some sort of like monolithic universal objective review is ridiculous to begin with because there would be no purpose to it. <laughs> true. Absolutely true. I, I, what it comes down to, I think, um, who was it? Was it Kotaku or I think it was Kotaku had the article saying that, Basically, it's not about whether or not they're looking for the super 
objective review from an RPG expert that 100% of the game. Mm-hmm. In actuality, they're looking for a reassurance that the thing that they fanned over mm-hmm. since its inception is good. That yeah. they're looking for justification for why they blindly pre-ordered it based off of trailers and promises and screenshots rather than the game itself. Yep. Pre-order culture goes into this. It plays a little bit of part. I think it's stupid to pre-order a game. Mm-hmm. Completely stupid. <laughs> you, you want to, you when you've invested a whole bunch of time and energy, mental or physical, into something, you want to be justified in doing it. And so if the thing gets critiqued uh, without like a caveat that says like, oh, but you know... You know, you ever read those reviews that name like 17 problems with something and then at the end they're like, but overall it's really good, 9 out of 10. And you're like, what the hell did I just read? (laughs) Like, that's what everybody wants. They want, they they don't care if you acknowledge the flaws, but if you actually critique based on flaw, they get mad because they take it personal. They're like, oh, are you saying I'm stupid? Like, that's what their brain's telling them. Their brain is telling them that the reviewer is telling them they are stupid for buying this game because it is flawed. Whereas if you tell them, oh, you know, but it'll be patched in like five or six months and then it'll probably be brilliant, then they can they can accept that. They're like, oh, yeah, okay, that's fine. As long as the number is still a nine. (laughs) (laughs) I've had investment in franchises and games and things that have not come out yet and wanted them to be good. Oh, yeah, um, but I, w- I would never like go to the, the the length of just attacking somebody for them, you know, giving their honest opinion on it. And a lot of it obviously totally. is just kind of like naked misogyny and hate and all the deflection yeah. of like, well, she didn't, you know, play the game in entirety or, you know, she doesn't even play RPGs. They should have gotten an RPG expert on it. It doesn't fucking matter. She God. can still come into it with a level of subjectivity and review it just like anybody else could. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and let's take a step back for a second, right? Like. This is a game, this is not an obscure Japanese RPG that came out for only fans that played a game back on the Super Nintendo right. and it's finally getting a sequel and they're like, <laughs> oh my god, this is a game that was marketed to everyone, mm-hmm. for everyone, mm-hmm. for like seven years or whatever, right? Like, everybody has heard of this game and they are not saying, oh, this is a hardcore RPG for RPG fans. They're saying, this is the game of the generation and you should play it. Mm-hmm. And so you want an average opinion. You don't want someone who's like, oh yeah, I spend hundreds of thousands of hours with RPG systems. Mm-hmm. This is great for me. You want <laughs> everyone. You want a wide variety of reviews. So I would take someone who doesn't like re- RPGs over someone who does in a heartbeat for that because I want to know mm-hmm. in general what people might think about this game and might not what might not feel good uh, if you're not a huge fan of that kind of stuff already, right? Yeah, I like think in that case, I would definitely want more of an unbiased take. Yeah. <laughs> I would well honestly when it comes to reviews I wouldn't hang my hat on any one review I would like to read multiple reviews yeah, multiple reviews different impressions why did somebody think this is bad versus why did somebody think this is good and figure yeah. out where we meet in the middle and which I respond to the most like where, where do I feel like a reviewer is uh, has the same sensibilities as me cuz mm-hmm. like yeah. for for Callie like she was saying she got you know bored with certain of the crafting systems and like you know the upgrade trees and I'm the same way like I open up those menus and I'm like oh fuck me there's like a billion things here whereas somebody else might be like ooh there's a billion things here it's <laughs> yeah. that into itself should tell you that the notion of reviews are completely subjective. Like you're being given every hint gamers, every hint imaginable. So like, stop, stop this. And yeah, like you said, again, it all comes down to, we just found another way to publicly diminish a woman. Fantastic. We decided to jump onto it. There's um, somebody on Twitter, uh, Tom Marks. What? 
Okay. <laughs> um, he, he put out a point where he's like, I could have given Cyberpunk a 5 out of 10 and still receive less than 1% of the vitriol women who give it a higher score are currently having to deal with. Yeah, that's not an exaggeration. It's not a coincidence. It's coincidence. It's because I'm a straight white man and it's massively fucked up. And he's right. And I mean, 7 out of 10 is not even a bad score. I think that's a good a pretty score. average good score, to good score. Yeah. You know? I would give I would give seven out of tens to like half of of the games that I play a lot that mm. I think are really good. Yeah. It just means they're not perfect. Like seventy mm. percent, depending on where you are, is like it's a C plus mm-hmm. or even a C. Like I don't care. Like God, when when games get there's two things going on here that drive me crazy. The fact that the review scale for a lot of publications but also a lot of gamers is seven to ten with seven (laughs) being the worst possible game ever created yeah (laughs) eight being like an indie darling that has some problems nine being almost perfect but you know it's not let's say the first the last of us i guess and 10 being this is the perfect game because that is theoretically what 10 can mean although Mm -hmm. it doesn't always depending on the reviewer uh the fact that it is a four point scale that just ignores Mm -hmm. the other like six, six points, points in yeah. its 10 point scale like <laughs> is just so absurd but then to look even like ignoring that to look at a seven out of 10 and think that means this is bad is the stupidest shit it's just so dumb <sighs> it's so dumb it drives me crazy review scores and i don't even care about review scores or reviews people reacting to review scores and reviews Whew. I think the thing that bothers me the most is that it all speaks to the fact that people don't want nuance. Yeah. yeah and that true. hurts. They want validation. They want validation yeah. and they want it to either be, this is the best game I ever touched or mm-hmm. it's the worst. Skip it. Yeah. Skip it. Skip it. Skip completely. it. It's not worth it. Or it's truly <laughs> the greatest. Right. And they're willing to, they're willing to attack people over that. Like they're willing to actually attempt to harm people over it. Something I want to mention, because you didn't bring it up during your previous one, but in that uh, thread about the seizure thing, people were uh, posting, like trying to trick her and other people that have epilepsy into watching seizure-inducing videos. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, I'll speak to that because um, Liana mentioned on her Twitter, she wishes people reporting on her work wouldn't mention or bring too much focus onto that. And, and actually focus on the positivity. But I am glad that you mentioned it. Like, that, that's a true fact. I, it's a I heinous mean, it's, thing. People yeah, know. it's horrifying. Yeah. Uh, I don't... It's not the it's not mm-hmm. the key thing, obviously, but, no, like, no. it's... Yeah, like... Uh, it's but the fact just, that people would resort to such levels of hate and maliciousness over a fucking video game... Yeah. Yeah, is it's poison. It's, it's just pure poison. completely malicious, and I... It's one of those things that just speaks to something darker than fandom. It's just that there's a population of people that just do not care about others that they're willing to harm someone to feel vindicated and this is the kind of thing that we need to snuff out and i'm i'm certainly not smart enough to figure out how right like the only thing that i've been able to do in my life is try to like surround myself with people that uh don't seem like humongous pieces of shit Mm -hmm. that have empathy but i don't know what you do beyond that how how do you Mm -hmm. how do you impart empathy to somebody that's willing to do that I mean, Kevin, I mentioned the other day, I do have a gamer laser always <laughs> to kill all gamers. I think you're right, Nick. <laughs> Has it been tested? Gamers were a mistake. Approved and certified for commercial use or is it just yep. kind of? Private? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's, it's got a ESRB on it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
it's <laughs> password is Jeff Keeley. <laughs> <laughs> it's so it's like one of those things where I feel like these people are always going to exist. And it's always glaring to find out that there's sometimes more in the majority than we'd like to admit that these yeah. malicious, harmful, shitty people are out there. We can engage them in the dialogues uh, at our own risk because like we're putting themselves out there, giving the kind of olive branch of like, let's have this kind of reasonable discussion. And it always feels like it turns to where it's like, yeah. okay, you try to have the mm-hmm. conversation and then they're just a brick wall of intent or counter focus and it's just like okay well we tried you know we tried to reason with these people but you know we can't (laughs) so what do we do do we let it lie and it's just like i think it's kind of what kevin said where it's like just associate yourself with the better part of that crowd to the best of your ability i mean that that's just for my own mental sanity yeah right yeah like that's that's what it comes down to but it, it it i don't think we live in an era anymore where we can continue to ignore people um i i know i mean like let's engage in discourse i just mean no 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 that element is growing and it's it's doing something and it's like god damn it i don't know how often that you can put your best foot forward and lead by example when Mm -hmm. people want to not only tear down your example they want to tear you down as a human being i think one of the crazy things is like back in the day before massive internet communities and stuff when you saw stuff like this you could effectively freeze it out of your groups Mm -hmm. like you could right because you could just be like we will not tolerate this kind of behavior and then the person will go somewhere else but if enough people do it they have nowhere left to go right but now there are built up and like literally built in organizations and groups for this kind of behavior Mm -hmm. so like if you get frozen out of your friend group, you can go to any specific place on like, I don't know, like Reddit or somewhere mm-hmm. where there are other just monsters who are telling you that you're right and you're doing the right thing. You can't freeze them out anymore because they have their own communities. Yeah, you know, just in the same way that I'm saying that, like, I just pivot myself around people that I enjoy and feel like share my own values. They're doing the exact same thing. Yeah, exactly. They can easily do the same thing. So what we need to do is prepare our bodies for the upcoming gamer war, (laughs) because it will be messy and bloody. Sure. They'll have their own gamer laser. They're going to be ready. It's very true. It would be very buggy. (laughs) But it'll fire 10 out of 10, though. 10 out of 10. 10 10 out of 10 doesn't work half the time. (laughs) Oh, goodness. I hope it glitches through my pants. That's all I need to say. Yeah, me too. (laughs) Me too. Uh, Anyway, guys, let us move on to a different subject, video games. Is it it time for Jeff Keighley's brain dance? (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, <laughs> oh, poor Jeff, Jeff Keeley. Can I just say about the Game Awards? My man is not doing good in 2020. He mentioned yeah. like 10 straight times going, remember when you could go outside? And then like the pandemic has really done stuff to us. Well, anyway, here's Fortnite. <laughs> the first the first couple times it was like kind of funny. And then like literally the 10th time. Yeah, I was sitting there like when you first said that, I was like, oh, whatever. He's probably just like, you know, going with a bit. And like the 10th time I was like, this isn't scripted, man. Like yeah. that's what's on the top of his head he looked a little rattled you, you could see his yeah. mental health fail and degrade in real time yeah i mean mine did too when donald uh what's his name donald, donald mustard, mustard started yeah. talking oh, about whatever it is. What, what happened master chief isn't in that fortnite <laughs> <Master> anyway chief. <laughs> all that aside i think um for for jeff Keeley to do what he does year over year and also kind of prevail during a pandemic like my hat's off to him. Like he, he pulled totally. the show off. Like it was still an excellent production by. Yeah, you know, it it all didn't <laughs> it didn't seem fumbled really. Like it seemed th- there were some fumbles, but the same way the Game Awards always has some fumbles, yeah. and it's a little any live show. Yeah, yeah, right. And like it 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 looked good. It worked. I never felt like 
it was like people talking to an empty room or anything like that. It always it felt good. Yeah, it was kinetic for something that was 400 hours long. Yep. Um, yep. Although it, I think we both talked about it, Nick, because we watched it together uh, hand in hand. Uh, the middle just completely just lost steam. Just like lost yes. steam. I don't. It's the, like it the floor strong. fell out of that show. Yeah, I was getting just bored. I was getting distraught. Yep. I was like, I need to walk around. I wanted to grab my switch and just start playing Hades yep. <laughs> and like wait for something to happen well it's i felt like we were waiting for that last tent pole like okay give us the game of the year announcement and then give us that last big world premiere that we're waiting for <laughs> yeah for sure what uh, was the last one? Oh, oh I, I actually know i have it on here in the uh, it's mass effect is coming soon oh it's yeah that's right. what it was mass effect right. okay so let's start with that y'all uh there is world premieres and you know, half of them, well, as any fucking show like this, half of them are going to do nothing for you. The other half are going to be the most exciting thing in the world, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so the thing that I love, though, was some of the surprise ones where it's like a game I'd never heard of before. Looks really cool. I think we both had the same reaction about um, Crimson Desert from the guys oh, that did yeah. uh, really cool. Black Desert Online. Is that oh, it is? my God. Yeah, yeah. It's, cool. the, it's the studio that did Black Desert Online, which I, I don't care about. I've played it, but Me I don't either. care about it. I care about this game. Fantasy setting uh, using ultra realistic. It actually looks like a next gen game. I want to point that out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the combat looks so crunchy. Holy yep. shit. Did you see any of that footage? No, I, I did. I, I thought it was really cool. I think the trailer went a little too long without any explanation. But I, we were, I, I appreciated the amount of gameplay that was in it, at least. Yeah, I, yeah. I think during the stream, like I, I commented to Kevin, I was like, this is the longest gameplay trailer <laughs> I've ever seen for anything that I've never heard of before in my life. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, they just kept throwing gameplay at you. And it's like, what is it, though? <laughs> I mean, it looks cool. Like that sort of like third person action sort of assassin's yeah. creed type game with probably a bit uh, more crunch yeah yeah <laughs> it, yeah. And it looked like it looked like assassin's creed with combat that wasn't like pre-rendered stick to yeah, combat exactly. yes yeah the thing is about that trailer being so long i started with initial resistance going i i started i don't care about this mm-hmm. and yep. every new shot was convincing me more and more until they led up to oh by the way it's like dragon's dogma where you're climbing like ogres and shit oh yeah <laughs> that they saved yeah. that for a good point in that trailer uh of course i mean four minutes into the five minute and 27 trailer <laughs> but uh they saved it for a for a good spot because i was getting to the point where i was like yeah i've seen someone fight a lot at this point and then i was like oh you can climb stuff <laughs> damn so there, there's a lot of shit that, that was shown off there i don't we don't have to deep dive every single thing we physically sure. fucking can't but i want to turn the floor to you guys what were the standouts for you for as, as far as the announcements go well we'll get into the awards a little bit after this you want to go back and forth or do you want to go first daniel um i will i will go first in terms of like an announcement that really kind of took me i don't even really know what it is but um scavenger studios season that sort of like really artsy kind of studio ghibli type bike yeah with the bike what you said what what was the game that you said it was kind of like uh i was saying it was kind of like a game that me and a friend pitched together Mm. and i know she is in game development so mm. I'm kind of curious if <laughs> if that idea like got seated over there, but it looked really cool where it's just like you explore a post-apocalypse with a bike, but it's not one of those yeah. like, you know, distraught, destroyed post-apocalypses. It's a very wonderful, yeah. vibrant, uh, grassy world. It but looks so cool. With more of like a kind of an emphasis on like 
relaxing meditative open world yeah. exploration yeah. with sort of a focus i i don't know the, i was very i didn't know what it was and i still don't really know what it is but like I'm the, very the voiceover the voiceover was super interesting it's basically saying she's basically saying uh our ancestors had x amount of time and then she's talking about like their civilizations and everything. And then she says something like we have one season and it's like implying that maybe previous uh, generations had a lot of time, but this generation has less time and they're just kind of like going around and experiencing it. It looks gorgeous. Yeah, uh, immediately enigmatic, right? Where yeah. we're, I'm the very best, interested. <laughs> the best description I saw of it was like half comedy, but it was like it's days gone without the zombies because you still have a bike. <laughs> Actually, that game might be pretty cool. Yeah, there's some there's some nice sequences. I love Days yeah. Gone. Mm -hmm. I didn't at first. I yeah. do now. <laughs> that uh, so yeah, that's one of mine too. Mm -hmm. That one hit me yeah. real hard. Yeah, I'm super interested. I'm excited one. for that. I think it's. I don't know if it's kind of cross plat, but they did definitely said like 2021 for PS5. So yeah, I'm gentlemen. I'm getting to the point where I I don't even care what consoles things are coming out for because it's yeah. just too much to figure out. <laughs> I, I totally. just assume it's like uh, it'll come out for something I own probably, and mm -hmm. if it doesn't, well, okay, I'll put it in another bucket. <laughs> yeah. So like, there's a lot of like announcements where I wasn't sure if this was like day and date Xbox. I wasn't sure if it was coming out tomorrow. There's just too much to keep track of. What was something else that stuck out to you, Nick? Um, well, there was another game that was pretty similar in tone, but mm -hmm. different in style. That open roads game mm. that had the that had like the CG rendered world, but it had a 2D animated character style. So like it's driving by, you're seeing the trees and everything around it. It looks pretty realistic. And then it cuts into this car and the characters are these 2D animated characters. And That's it looks like with, it's just uh, like it has Carrie Russell in it. <laughs> yeah yeah and it's just this road trip seemingly between mother and daughter which looks really interesting yeah yeah that's supposed to be by the studio that's fulbright. Tacoma fulbright yeah. fulbright yeah, 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 yeah. fulbright and I'm, I'm very glad that it, it looks like a game that's just kind of moving away from what their normal wheelhouse is mm -hmm. not to say that i don't enjoy their wheelhouse i love their wheelhouse but it, i like seeing a developer i really enjoy try to take on something just a bit new mm -hmm. i've never yeah. really seen them do this kind of art style which even had the the lower frames to mimic animated yeah. film i was like oh i love that god it looks so good like immediately i was like what is this we finally <laughs> yeah. got to a point in graphics where we could just mimic hand-drawn animation <laughs> oh my god this is uh this is like the the two games we've named now other than uh, crimson desert um they're definitely like my kind of wheel wheelhouse like i mm -hmm. really like emotional explorative beautiful games mm -hmm. um yeah especially when kind of like what what was said earlier they're very enigmatic to begin with you're like i don't know what this is but i love it like that's that's me in I, a nutshell for i had a few i had a few like that during the show where i was just like i don't know what the fuck this is injected into my face i want this i have to say i was really excited for all the things we've named so far but the thing that excited me most was uh, a, a weird trailer that flew through this weird corporate building and up into the sky where you see some pyramids in a <laughs> yep. storm. And then the, the the trailer tells you it's perfect dark. And I was like, <laughs> holy shit, a new perfect dark game. That's huge. Yo, That's Microsoft had to do something with the IP. I, I think we I forget that Rare is under their uh, yeah. stewardship, right? I never and, and has been doing <laughs> some good things, but mostly kind of awful things in that time frame. They right. made Killer Instinct, mm -hmm. which was really good, but had a lot of like DLC character problems and stuff like that. Yeah. They made Banjo-Kazooie Nuts and Bolts. Oh, the best one. Which is a game. Uh, <laughs> and they made Perfect Dark Zero, which is actually like one of the most disappointing things I've ever played in my life. And don't forget the Rare Collection, Nick. 
Yeah, the rare collection of their <laughs> older games that were already good. <laughs> but th- this is going to be a big one, like for that Microsoft Studio the initiative initiative to come out and kind yeah. of like reboot this series. Yeah. They're a big deal. Yeah, that studio does a lot. That is true. I mean, I yeah. I, I like seeing this kind of. It kind of reminds me of what they did with Prey. It's a complete yeah. like about face of what the um, even concept is but it's still just called Prey. Mm-hmm. Uh, this yep. one feels like that, where it's like, yeah, we got Joanna Dark, but um, this is going to be about environmental, like, corporate disaster <laughs> and shit. Yeah, I think, it was, I think it was tagged as eco-science fiction. <laughs> yes. My favorite type Which of is pretty fiction. cool. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. mean, I remember the original had, like, at a certain point, uh, the original being, like, heavy on the espionage and such. Yeah. It had aliens at a certain point and alien yes. guns that you use. And I'm just like, okay, so, is, is it going to play with that still or no? For for anyone who doesn't know, the original Perfect Dark on the N64 ran on the same but an updated engine that GoldenEye did. Mm-hmm. And it's actually better than GoldenEye. I don't care if anybody says GoldenEye is better than And wrong. the multiplayer uh, was so good. The multiplayer was incredible. <laughs> it required the expansion pack, which yep. was created for – to play it fully, uh, which was created for Donkey Kong 64 – um and other games after that but it starts out feeling kind of like a combination of like blade runner and like just just the general kind of cyberpunky tech noir kind of thing and then yeah like like kevin says about halfway through the game you find out that this evil organization you've been trying to infiltrate and like find things out about is actually dealing with aliens and then you team <laughs> up with other aliens and there's a lot of aliens and you go to an alien planet so it's like <laughs> half-life mixed with uh mixed with like blade runner basically yeah. i'm into it I, I i definitely want again i'm i'm gonna pick up an xbox next year sometime mm-hmm. I'm going to get the Series X because I want yeah. all of it. I want all of those yeah. gamer graphics straight to my face. Yeah. And I'm I'm being given reasons, not at launch. Keep that in mind. I didn't favor it at launch, but I'm being given reasons to see that, man, I should jump onto this ecosystem. Not mm-hmm. only do I get fucking Game Pass, but yeah. they're actually like thinking, hey, how do we make some like real linchpin titles here? That, Hell yeah. You know, we could say, hey, Perfect Dark. Come on, gamer. Yeah. <laughs> Get aboard. The, it's the, super exciting, but that's like really far away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's definitely a ways away. I think they said, yeah, there's no release date for it at all. No. It's, again, no. this is like pre, this is pre, there's no gameplay. It's just cinematic. Yeah. Uh, this is like for me uh, where I didn't have a 360 for the longest time. And then I can't remember what they announced was a 360 exclusive. Oh, it was a Star Ocean game, which is a Japanese oh. RPG. And it was going to only be on 360. Weird. And so I bought a 360 for it. Um, it wasn't good. Uh, the But it's like the better comparison is like this would be like if they said Alan Wake 2 is only on Xbox. I would buy an Xbox for that. Perfect mm-hmm. Dark is only on Xbox. I buy an Xbox for that. That makes sense. That makes sense. I think a lot of people are going to say the same thing. Although, ostensibly, uh, because, be Who because knows? this is an Xbox Studios game, it's not going to be only on Xbox. You can actually get it. Yeah, it'll be on game PC. On PC. Yeah, so awesome. Yeah. That's I'll definitely better. play it on PC, probably. I have one that excited me more than any other game in all of 2020. Mm-hmm. It's called Evil Dead, <laughs> the game. He's so excited. Yep. From the studio that brought us World War Z, <sighs> which we fucking love, Daniel. I love that game Daniel, so much. we love that game. They're doing Evil Dead now with the Deadites. <laughs> with the Deadites. It's a co-op hack and slasher. What's the name of that it studio? It looks good. Again? I forget. Bo- Bo- not Bosky. Uh, Team Boss or something? Boss? Mm, that's not right. I, God damn it. I knew you would ask me this. I was like, I, I, I don't have to look this up. Daniel's not going to ask me who's making the Evil Dead game. <laughs> Fuck. All right. Here we go. Here we go. 
It is made by... Oh, that's Evil Dead Regeneration. Hang on. <laughs> Boss Team Games. <laughs> Boss Team, yeah. Did it. Yeah, I, I know... It's going to be, it was like a flyby announcement at the minute. The trailer is like a minute. Um, It's coming out next year. It's probably going to be, obviously it's a double A title. Um, It's a a budget title. It's not a, it's not a $80 on release game or whatever. No, no, no. But I, I, I'm excited because honestly, World War Z surprised the shit out of me. Mm -hmm. It should have just been like IP Drek, Mm -hmm. but they put a lot of love into it. They made sure that mechanically it was more than sound and that they continue to support it too with like not like pve and pvp content mm-hmm. i don't think there's gonna be a pvp in this game but we don't know they haven't said anything mm-hmm. but yeah, there's no real way to know yeah but it, they have characters from like army of darkness ash versus evil dead the show mm-hmm. there's already an understanding in love that evil dead is perfect <laughs> 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 and we got young ash i want old ash too man there's a lot of potential for skins mm. and different versions of Ash and uh, additional characters from like the series and such. That's, I'm into it, man. That's what I feel like this is going to be. I think this is going to be a like a love letter to Evil Dead fans mm-hmm. that could have been almost any other game, but they decided to make it Evil Dead. Like it could have been surviving in the woods anywhere with anyone, yeah. right? But they made it Evil Dead and it looks good. It, it, it does. Looks, I like that there are guns. It's got hack and slash like... This looks like the kind of fun shit that you play with your friends. You get like three other friends and then you play this game a lot. Oh, we're going to play it and we're going to oh, yeah. play it a lot. Oh, yeah. I, I feel like this I'm, is going to be a I'm new high. like save room oh, Saturday yeah. staple once it once I hope it comes so. Out. I, I hope they treat it in the same way as they um, what do what they call them? Gun games did for Friday the 13th. Mm. Oh, they, yeah. Like, added all these skins and new tons of the, the characters constantly right. adding new ones. Yeah, I could see mm-hmm. that. I could see that being the business model for this game. Mm. Yeah. Get in on a cheap price, like 30 bucks, 40 bucks, yep. no more than that. Mm. And then just be like, hey, we're going to continue giving you new levels and characters. You're going to fuck up Dearborn, Michigan. You're going to go to medieval times, whatever, you know? Yeah. I'd be interested to see if it had that same episode structure that uh, World War Z had. Maybe yeah. they could, mm, which yeah, would be cool. Be you know, cool. here's episode one. It's broken into these acts. Like, yeah, like you said, you're in. Yeah, like the Left 4 Dead sort of thing, Yeah, which would be really, really cool. And I definitely hope that that gameplay carries over because that was the thing that surprised me the most, that it was probably one of the best shooters I had played yeah. in a year. And it made no sense why it felt so good. It, it <laughs> seems like this has a more, more of a focus on melee, which yeah. is truer to Evil Dead, because yeah. for mm-hmm. the most part, you're hacking up mm-hmm. deadites so yeah my my thing is i'm glad that it's not a fucking dead by daylight clone yeah which that was the worry the horror thing to do there's even evil dead content in dead by daylight and it's stupid because it's like i play as ash hiding that doesn't i can right. i can That's tell you ash. that in the first like 20 seconds of the trailer before you see gameplay i was like oh this is just going to be dead by daylight like i actually <laughs> not even a clone i actually i had forgotten that evil dead stuff was already in and i'm like oh they're just announcing some evil dead patch for dead by daylight yeah i thought so too actually i was like i got excited yeah. and i was like wait a second wait a second <laughs> are they gonna are they gonna betray me is what it's gonna be but they didn't i i am invested i was excited i love evil dead mm-hmm. i'm sure there's some uh, other Ke- games I, that were kevin cool. kevin i have a question for you um yeah. So you mentioned Left 4 Dead, but I think you mean Back 4 Blood because no such a game as Left 4 Dead actually exists. That's oh, that's right. Yeah, Valve never doesn't make games. <laughs> actually, let's talk about that. Back 4 Blood, uh, a lot of people are pretty hype on it, um, even though I it think is a clone of that. But yep. then again, if you're not making it. <laughs> so what's up? I, I can tell you, like based on your reactions when I was watching you streaming this thing, before they released the Evil Dead thing, Back for Blood was kind of your your thing. That was your your big yeah, reaction. Yeah, that, that was yeah, probably you the were top really one. hyped for it. And then they released the Evil Dead trailer and you're like, fuck Back for Blood. I don't <laughs> care about that shit at all. 
<laughs> I mean, they spoke to me. The only other thing that they could have done was um, give me Dino Crisis. But they are Dino Crisis starring Vin Diesel. <laughs> oh, my God. Arc 2. <laughs> what the fuck? What? Like, I was like, Arc? That was one of those, like, bewildering, like, oh, okay, I guess so. I don't think any of us could have figured out what it was. No. Impossible. That was insane. <laughs> The past was serious. <laughs> so that was the oh, so funny. That was a good joke. Um, yeah, I, I'm not gonna play it, but I, I'm glad that there's support for Ark. I played sure. I played Ark for uh, a day and a half, like not a whole day and a half, just like a day and a half casually, and it wasn't for me. But I can see the appeal, and if they're making like an updated version of the game, mm-hmm. like in a sequel, that's that's kind of cool to me. Like maybe it'll be good. It was fun. It just wasn't for me. Yeah, they're leaning right. hard into it though. I think there's like an animated series that they yeah, there's a cartoon, right uh-huh. cartoon for like, Netflix. And... It's made by a good studio too, actually. It's uh, they do good stuff. I can't remember what the studio's called, but I remember they they announced it on Twitter afterwards. Like they they tweeted out, and I was like, oh shit, dude, oh, these guys are good. And I can't remember who it is. Yeah, doing the media <laughs> blitz with Arc. All right, I mean, I I know Arc has a following and whatnot. Yeah, um, it's pretty popular. I, I don't think you could get me into it, mm-hmm. even with the promise of dinosaurs. But you know, and Vin Diesel. And well, actually, that might do it, right? <laughs> that might be the deal breaker right there. I like I like how you're saying even with the promise of dinosaurs, as if Ark is anything other than dinosaurs. <laughs> well, it's it's like a survival game, right? Like you're yeah, scavenging with dinosaurs. And... It's about dinosaurs. Okay. Gotcha, gotcha. That makes sense. This is all making sense. I yeah. I wanted a Turok reboot with Vin Diesel. Um, Yo, oh my god that should have been yeah, what it was that would have been the thing i would have been very happy but anyway no arc. and then at the end he turns to the camera and says i'm too rock I'm like, <laughs> this is that's it <laughs> a lot of big names attached to this series now that i'm looking into it arc yeah yeah does it have a uh, dave franco no so for the animated <laughs> series we have vin diesel michelle yo um or you elliot page uh gerard yep. butler Yep. Um, yeah, there's a whole bunch of other names. They Carl did that Urban. splash page after they announced it with all the names going down. And I was like, what the? Malcolm McDowell? Fuck. Oh, really? Yeah, dude. Like, everyone's <laughs> oh in this cartoon. God. That's cool. Jesus Christ. Okay. Well, good. They're probably good all going to get eaten by dinosaurs. <laughs> uh, gamers, we, we failed. Hmm. We failed. We should have let in with the most important and only announcement. Sephiroth is coming to Smash Brothers. Ultimate. Sephiroth killed Mario. Murdered Mario in front of everybody. What a hype moment to like open the show with. Absolutely. That was well, I think there was like two trailers really before good. that. I missed a the near right? trailer. We, yeah, we missed three things. Fuck. We missed uh, near replicant four things. Mm-hmm. Five Fuck. things. Jesus we missed Christ. Loop Hero, which is this weird like 2D thing I've never heard of. We mm-hmm. missed uh, Chia, which I've never heard of either. Uh, sea of Solitude's getting a director's cut. And then oh, near okay. replicant got its like its real trailer mm-hmm. and then there's this thing called century age of ashes oh okay. like the the pvp dragon rider game looks like yeah i think so. dragoon battle yeah. royale yeah yeah yeah. so okay. we missed all of those in the four Oops. minutes that we were accidentally watching that other thing that was my fault i thought i was watching the live stream i was watching recorded pre-show footage uh oopsie daisy one of my favorite things of the pre-show not to kind of take away from the announcements was yeah the, fuck you sephiroth the performance of lynn and the persona band yeah. doing uh the last surprise was oh, such a good performance. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. What? It was uh, the Persona 5 Striker song. Oh, yeah. okay. It okay. was really, really good. It's great. Um, but back to Sephiroth. Fuck. Sephiroth. I, it makes sense, you know, to finally have this yeah. kind of companion character to to Cloud in the game. I, I'm i shocked to see Square Enix, you know, play nice still with Nintendo in that fashion and be like, yeah. here's more of our characters. Um, am I disappointed that it wasn't Sora? Sure. But... Sora. <laughs> Sora. But to have, you know, 
shirtless, double belted Sephiroth in there, you know? Yeah, I'm man. into it. I hope they I bring would, uh, more of more like the content, the music and all that stuff. Oh, I, yeah. Because I hear the game's kind of like scant when it comes out. There's like just two Final Fantasy VII mm-hmm. songs. Yeah. So maybe this one will have more of a drop. I, I didn't know if they announced like what. Oh, no, no, no. They said they're going to do like a um, a direct about the character, right? Mm-hmm. Showing what levels yes. and stuff. Okay, cool. Yeah. Is this enough would, uh, to get us hyped to get the, the second fighter pass, though? No. Who else is in it? Uh, Midman so and uh, Min from <laughs> Minecraft Steve, of course. <laughs> uh, okay, you know what? I would buy it for Minecraft Steve. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> We're going to get it now. <laughs> I don't care about Minecraft, but I love Minecraft Steve. I actually do care about Minecraft. I like it. I'm just not obsessed mm-hmm. with it or anything. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, yeah, no, I, I'd say this isn't it. I think if you get one more good character in the pass, then yeah, probably. For me, it's like if you combine the two passes at a reasonable price, maybe then yeah. I have a buy-in. But I I'm not going to buy two separate passes. I'm lucky. Like I, I, we're not lucky. I I was still playing Smash when you could buy the first one for like mm-hmm. when it was like, oh, I know who everybody in it is now, and I bought it. So. <laughs> yeah, Joker and all that. I yeah. I don't have a mind for predictions. You know, I'm not I'm not like that. I'm not oh, like the either. Oracle. You know, <laughs> but mm-hmm. I did kind of have a thought that there would be a Smash reveal. And I'm... Well, actually, you did predict uh, the 2020 election results pretty uh, pretty oh, handily, true, exact true. numbers. And I didn't think George would flip, but Daniel's over here going, George gonna is flip, definitely going to flip, flip this year. Flip. <laughs> he was saying that in July. I was like, what? Wow. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> so, what about your character? You don't know who else is going to be in the Game Pass or whatever the fuck they call it, the Fighter Pass. Fighter Pass. Oh no! Is there, would, what are there? Two left? Uh, Let's see. I think three. Three. Usually six. Pass. Um, two. I think Master Chief and uh the Mandalorian, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then Indiana Jones. Okay. To round out the cast. Now you're just okay. trolling us. What do you mean? So let's so let's look at this. We've got Min Min. So we've got a, a Nintendo exclusive series. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then Minecraft, which is sure. like the the whole like the buy in thing. That's the weird one, but it makes sense when you think about it. Mm-hmm. And then you have Sephiroth <laughs> to team with Cloud. But also we're doing more. We got more Final Fantasy, and you got three spots left. There's at least one more like hardcore Nintendo character in this pass mm-hmm. for sure, because Min Min doesn't count. Waluigi. <laughs> I mean, it's possible. There, there was the meme of Waluigi sadly looking through the window as Mario's getting impaled by Sephiroth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, uh. Not my turn. Wah. Wah. Uh, I have no predictions in my body for this. Yeah, yeah. it's tough. I, it could be anything because they they honestly surprise us every single time. Mm-hmm. I, I remember when people were talking like way back when Fighter Pass One was still not full and people were talking about Doom Guy. And I actually was like, that, that's cool. I would be in mm-hmm. for that. Just because he was so big after uh, Doom 2017, 2016? Whenever that was. I think it would be, it was 2016. Mm -hmm. It would be Mr. X. Yeah. Mr. X is probably the most notable um, Mr. (laughs) in video games. So, yeah, that's my my, uh, bone in the race. What what about you, Daniel? Um, I really don't know. I I mean, some people were like, let's get that Crash Bandicoot in there. I'm like, no no not that lawless shirtless bandicoot not in my game <laughs> that lawless <laughs> bandicoot. um i do want to loop back and ask you nick about near replicant version 1.22474487139 and how hyped are you for that because i'm uh, a big near fan i'm so hyped actually while we were talking about sephiroth i went back and i watched the trailer for it because i hadn't <laughs> seen it uh, and it yeah. looks like uh we already like everybody had already talked about this but it looks like it does in fact play on the uh the automata engine mm-hmm. uh and it looks really fucking good and uh i like original near a lot mm-hmm. but near automata is like one of my favorite games ever made 
And this looks like it could make the original Nier accessible for people because it was not and is not. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you went back and you played that thing on the 360, most people would hate it. It's not great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't even love it that much. This looks really good. Yeah, I'm picking this up right away. I really love Nier. Yeah. I, um, I pre-ordered the, even before we saw any gameplay, I pre-ordered the hyper expensive special edition <laughs> of it. I don't pre-order special editions anymore, but this one I was like, yeah, no, I'm going to want to own that. So so if the game gets a 7 out of 10, you're going to send death threats, right? <laughs> no, I'm all about that. I told you I love 7 out of 10. 7 got, out of 10 is my oh, favorite. Oh, that's right. Favorite. He's like, I expect this to be a 7. That's my perfect score. I, I want to I mean, ask this. I think near replicant or, or near gestalt, the one we got, got seven out of ten. <laughs> I think that's great. Right. Uh, I want to ask, since I have never seen it or played the original, what is the gameplay like? Is it that sort of hybrid game that uh, Automata is, or is it kind of a little more toned down? Yes, it is. But imagine that, but worse and less developed. So okay. the <laughs> bullet health sequences are very hard to navigate because the controls aren't very good. Mm-hmm. And most of the bosses integrate bullet hell like a lot. Whereas in Replicant, they didn't do it quite as much. Or sorry, uh, in Automata, they didn't do that quite as much. Yeah. Like you could generally just like slice through the bullets if you needed to. And it was usually in the flying sequences or like the hacking sequences where you had the bullet hell. Uh, there was a lot of bullet hell in this <laughs> game. And uh, Nier himself didn't move that well. Uh, and the combat wasn't smooth as butter. His uh, name is Nier? Yep. Where is he in, in Automata? <laughs> He's not. I don't understand. Why isn't it to I mean, be Automata? <laughs> to be or not to be automata um nick i'm confused i, I think they're just doing it because it's a sequel i mean they could have yeah. called it dragon guard 4 and just had no dragon guard in it and it would have <laughs> made, made the same amount of sense they would i think yeah. the reason it's <laughs> called near yeah, i think it's called near automata is because the story continues directly although infinitely in the future from what happens in near yeah and there's a direct consequence and then of course automata being robots robots my favorite fair robots. Bit of robots. i'm excited for that one. i want that one really badly yeah, i'm super hyped for what that. else are we excited for here's, in here? here's one that i'm kind of excited for but i'm i i take it with a a bit of reluctance um bad name by the way but the callisto protocol oh, oh terrible yeah. name <laughs> from I'm so excited space for four. yeah basically which a lot of people are like oh this is dead space this is dead space and it's like oh it basically has the same feel it's like you're in space on jupiter fighting aliens and horrible looking things but um it's got dead space creator glenn uh shellfield on it and yep it it could be interesting the the one thing that's weird about me is that it's kind of tied into the PUBG universe what they were saying what yeah what? it makes what are you talking no about? sense what do you mean hold on what where is where are you reading that? that he's he found he found like a fan a fan crossover Okay, I'm going to read just two kind of paragraphs. Yeah, here. you're so, reading off of LiveJournal. What are you I'm doing? I'm reading off of IGN.com <laughs> where we got the rest of the stuff from. But so, um, as with Schofield's famous space horror series, Callisto Protocol has gnarly monsters in it, what's revealed to be some kind of space prison. Dead Space fans eat your heart out. During the oh. show, Schofield announced it's a single-player, third-person survival horror adventure with the aim of being one of the scariest games ever. Oh, like PUBG. Yeah. Striking yeah. Distance was created by PUBG, which is the studio behind it, um, last year to create an original narrative experience within the PUBG universe. However, it's unclear if Callisto Protocol ties into the PUBG universe from the oh, real trailer. Okay. So some oh. people were kind of surprising that like this might tie I into see. that. Yeah, because it's this it, because the studio had previously made this yeah. other thing. Exactly. Yeah, okay. Okay. That makes sense. That makes more sense. Than you. Now that I hear that, that's yeah. all I want. I want this to be a PUBG horror game. Yeah. That'd actually be a bad and game. I want it for to me. like very organically end PUBG. <laughs> I 
like everyone in PUBG just gets eaten by these aliens and then they never have to hear about PUBG again because that game is ugly and I hate it. Oh, so like, well, Fortnite, like close the server, kill the universe, yeah, except, except leave it closed forever. Right. We kill PUBG and they have to play Callisto. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. I love it. Yes, I, I'm excited. I, I I'm OK with them kind of sticking as closely as possible to the formula that Dead Space was because yeah, we just totally. don't have that anymore. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. EA refuses to do anything with the property. I've although although I wouldn't be fucking surprised if like next year they announce, oh, we're, we're doing remastered, you know, I'm, to try to I'm combat. I'm so her. excited for like three months from now, EA to just start talking about Dead Space again just to get under this and be like, well, we've got it too. <laughs> well, we got the real shit. And it's like, it yeah. ends up being like a terrible remaster or something. Yeah, uh, I, I'm excited for this, but... um was that in game any of that we saw or is it just no, that was a cinematic no, it was all cinematic no, okay. it's all cinematic so yeah this thing's far out speaking, speaking of in game though something we had previously only seen cinematic for returnal had gameplay returnal yes. which is the worst name ever made for Awful. a video game but looks very cool yeah i love housemark and i like yeah. that housemark is actually branching out i caught an interesting conversation from kind of funny mm-hmm. they were talking about how housemark like went on record saying we can't continue making those arcadey games that we're known for because you guys stop buying them yeah is basically mm-hmm. what they said i think uh, w- w- what was the last one that came out nexus something nexus oh uh, i'm not sure ram nexus yeah it, it was real and it was actually really fun but apparently that sold like dog shit and they're just like huh well back in the ps3 era we could do things like that so now we can't we got to we got to like branch off into something that is in the double A space or mm-hmm. has third person mechanics, but there's still that housemark flavor to it. When I was looking yeah. at the footage, I was like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. This looks like housemark, but like third person I'm, I'm into it. Stupid name. Can we, uh, can stupid. we stop for a second and say how much, even though the name of the game is stupid. I love housemark as a name of a studio. That's a good I just, <laughs> yeah. It's great. I love it. We met a few of them. You remember that? I yeah. don't actually. Where do we meet it that? wasn't you. I was at PSX. Sorry, that was somebody else. Oops, Daisy. <laughs> okay, so the last thing they made was Nex Machina. That was the one. I really liked that game. I don't think it yeah. did well. Nex Machina did really, really bad. Yeah. Um, it, it reviewed bad, too. They made Matterfall the same year, which I had never oh, heard of. Yeah, that one uh, was like teased for a long time. And, and then, then the year before out. was Alienation. Uh, uh, hell was, the alien version, effectively the alien version of uh, <laughs> that earlier game. And then, yeah, obviously, like Outland and Resogun. Yeah. Yeah. Resogun, the best launch exclusive ever. <laughs> they, they had a, I love the, a pedigree love for that, that twin stick shooter. And yeah. I mean, I, I guess wish they, why they needed to move away from it. I hope that they have a success in this new space and that people yeah. actually, you know, buy the game because that way they can continue to you know, fun future projects and endeavors. And I'll buy the game. Get their name out there. I'll buy the game. I'll Returnal. I'm the Returnal. I hope this game has a high re- Returnal rate for it. Oh, nice. Um, there's a bunch of other stuff on here. Like there was honestly like a lot of smaller announcements that really weren't for me. Muppets and Overcooked. <laughs> Muppets chef, and Overcooked. The <laughs> it's the fucking stupidest thing that they did. That was awful. It you was awful. You didn't think that was good? How they got the chef from Muppets to, to promote the game? It was funny for like 15 seconds and then yeah. it went on for two minutes. <laughs> Yeah, it was awful. No, it's because like they that. did it previously with uh, Muppet Stuff for Goose Game, I think. They did. Um, they did. Yeah. Yes. And and again, it was funny for the first, because it was Beaker and the Scientist, and uh, it was funny for the first 15 seconds, but it went on for two minutes that time, too. It's just like, it's not, you can't hold this up this long. <laughs> no. Ghosts and Goblins Resurrection. Super excited. Come here for the Switch. Yep. Weird backgrounds, but looks I, cool. I think I was initially stoked for it when I saw it, because like, 
ghosts and goblins and then super ghouls and ghosts like that was my shit growing up yeah. but then like Same. this sort of 2.5 art style doesn't always vibe well for me yeah and when i initially saw that. the trailer i loved it and then when i went back and watched it a second time i'm like ah some of the foreground you know background work kind of <sighs> not eh, as striking not, not as striking, striking as i was hoping yeah. it would be but well, you know i'm i'm into playing this game again and you know we always say bring it to the switch so this is the perfect game for the switch yep. absolutely um, i'll play it one let's let's get into that meat and potatoes the bioware back to back sure on here for okay my overall impression is like yeah i i get super exciting for fans to know there's dragon age is still happening we have less of a name than we ever did it's just dragon age now (laughs) and then mass effects um they're working on a series now but like it very much felt to me like it was bioware just getting out in front of the fact that like they had key players leave the studio which Mm -hmm there's still people that work at bioware keep that in mind guys Mm -hmm. but um it just felt like one of those we're still alive kind of trailer things like they have nothing to show i bet you i bet you anything that this little cg thing this little cg proof of concept mass effect thing they have i bet you they've had this in the can for a while and (laughs) they know they're going to make a new mass effect but they're just like whenever we need to announce that there is a mass effect coming we can just put this out yeah yep felt like that i mean there wasn't I get the idea. It's a hype trailer, right? And yeah, people, yeah, which is fine. Yeah, fine. That, that's totally fine. There was nothing to see. There was no yeah. promises. There's no nothing. This game can come out in 2025. This game can come out whenever the fuck, right? We, um, we were talking about this the other day, mm-hmm. and like my thing about it is, yes, if you really like Mass Effect, it is great to know that they are making more Mass Effect, but there is zero, there's literally nothing in this trailer to indicate that it will be better or worse than Andromeda. Mm-hmm. The Andromeda trailer is the original one is exactly like this. It has there's no substance. It's just saying there is a new Mass Effect coming and everyone thought it was going to be incredible. There's no reason here to believe this will be different. Now, that said, there's also no reason to believe it'll be terrible other than Mm -hmm. like some of the last few games being iffy. Uh, I just don't I can't get hyped over something like this until I see more. Same. Yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, you could tease us with, you know, Liara or the fact that this is a tie in kind of convergence of the original series and Andromeda and then, you know, show us a Krogan and, a, you know, all these yeah. things in the background that are like, oh, these are fan favorite things that you're going to know and love. But it's like we still don't know what it is. It's very far away from, you know, being in our hands. And <laughs> I I don't know. I'm trying not to let my hype run away uh, from me on this one. Yeah, it's essentially I'm a trailer that makes nothing. Yeah. That they are making more Mass Effect. Exactly. Yeah. But I'm much more excited about the remastered Mass Effect trilogy. For sure. More tangible. <laughs> that I know what that is, and I'd love to be able to play it with better graphics. Yeah. Same here. So like, I'm totally down for that. The, okay. That I don't know if this was just me. I'm not a huge Dragon Age fan. Me I either. think their world is cool, but I don't love those games very much. That trailer sucked. <laughs> well, it was the same thing where it was like a nothing sort of cinematic trailer. And we, we I think I hoped by a year from the last time yeah, we saw a cinematic more, trailer, right? we'd have fucking gameplay. And it's like, that's the, the difference entire is thing. They introduced this character yeah. who was just the opposite of what I want out of a fantasy. It's just this snarky <laughs> asshole, basically. And it's like, that's not why I play these games if I play them at all. Mm-hmm. I think the worrisome thing is that we've known about Dragon Age for a very long time. They've teased it quite a few oh, times yeah. during mm-hmm. different conferences, and they're still not showing us anything. Yeah. It means they don't have something that is that they wouldn't be embarrassed to show it, us. It's mm-hmm. it's max of uh of when they started showing off uh God, what the hell is the flying game called with the Anthem. Iron Man suits? Anthem. Anthem. Yeah, it's max of when they first started talking about Anthem. Yeah. And then you have this like 
complete gap of information and then you finally get some which seems cool but when you really think about it you're like there's no this is all surface it's all flash nothing else yep and turned out to be completely true a lot of those gameplay uh uh demonstrations that they showed off games look nothing like that Mm -hmm. some of the mechanics completely change even within a year so i i don't know maybe they're playing yeah what's up bioware's credit it's not like this was starfield (laughs) that's true (laughs) that's the name that is true here's here's a name and an idea see you in fucking 10 years gamers the, the thing about Dragon Age is there was so much of a, a gameplay foundation already there that I'm sure they could build off of, especially with, you know, Inquisition having come out like uh, like a few years back. But I just feel like Bioware has so much to ride on these like franchises. And I feel like there's a fear to get it wrong. Sure, so maybe yeah. there is a worry of like, let's not show anything until we have like solid things to show. There are 100 percent is the fear to get it wrong, because yeah. when it happened with Andromeda, they got crushed. Yep. Like the studio lost, it had built up so much street cred with like with the gamers over the years. Like you couldn't do wrong. Like they, 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 everyone was mad about uh, the ending for Mass Effect 3, right? Everybody makes fun of that constantly or whatever, but people still loved them after that. And then this one game came out and no one trusted them after Mm -hmm. that. And it's crazy because Andromeda is not great, but it's also not actually that bad. It's, it's fine. It's it, a it's a fine game. It is it's whatever. I agree with that. It, it just it isn't a consistent vision, and it's definitely disappointing. Oh. Like compared to the first three. Yeah. Um, so so imagine yeah. being a studio that puts out this mediocre to okay game, and the reaction is being obliterated. Oh yeah, yeah. right. Like you would never ever put out information again until you were absolutely sure it was great. Or like Anthem when they had to, they absolutely had to start putting out info because they were running out of time. Right. That's true. I that that's what this feels like, right? In the same way that um well, here here's a notable absence, um similar idea. Everyone was hyping up that there's going to be a Silent Hill announcement yeah. at this yeah. show. Once again, <laughs> did not occur. People have said, "Oh, when PlayStation does a thing, there's going to be Silent Hill." Did not Each happen. Time. Right. Yeah. And it's like this studio is burned by the fact that the Silent Hills is a very high profile game that was going to be this thing that everyone got excited about. And then it got fucking canceled. Now we're seeing publishers do this thing where it's like, until this bitch is like ready to go gold, we don't want to show you nothing until we actually have to, until we have to actually put up pre-orders until we actually have to market this. We don't want to show you anything. I don't think we're going to see anything from dragon age until this time next year. Oh, I totally agree. And even then it doesn't come out until another year after that. Probably. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like we'll we'll see gameplay next year for the game awards and then it won't be out in time for the next game awards. (laughs) No. Yeah. I I, I don't know. With that in mind, should we even know that a new Mass Effect is in production? Should we even have that conversation? I think (sighs) they're riding the wave. I think there's two things. One, they didn't have gameplay for Dragon Age. so They wanted to have something Mm -hmm. to hype people. And they're riding the positive wave of the trilogy remaster. Yeah. And again, it was counteracting like Casey Hudson and Mark Darrow leaving, where yeah. it's like, okay, you need to kind of like generate swell and hype for the studio again. Mm-hmm. But they're like, don't worry, we are working on this thing that we know you will love because you love Mass Effect. Mm-hmm. Andromeda doesn't exist, um, <laughs> and we promise it'll be great. Don't worry, we're still doing it, even though we've lost these people. Like that's what it felt like. They're like, yeah, we are on your side. I promise, we're making these games. Come back in 2028. They'll be great. <laughs> <laughs> come back when you raise a full family switch careers moved out of state 
<laughs> we'll have a Dragon Age for you kids. But it's one of those things, too, where the fans are going to buy into it because they want these fantasy, whether it's like Dragon Age being like a fantasy romance game or Mass Effect being the sci-fi fuck alien sort of game where it's like they want these sort yeah, of head. Mass Effect 2, fuck aliens. Yeah, like yeah. they want these games because it's like it's their playground for having fun and having the kind of like yeah. choose your own story sort of narrative. Sure. But like the skeptics like us are just like, show me something tangible let's actually have it be kind of a retooling of, of what the the franchises have been and and do something new i feel like it's going to be tough for these games not to feel like last gen games sure and i exactly. i need these games to be kind of a push forward for both these separate it's, franchises it's basically we've we've hit the point now where if your fantasy version of it isn't like witcher 3 mm-hmm. quality level yeah why are you even doing it anymore yeah. right like it's not a fair thing to say no. but it does feel that way like the choices in that game mattered more the side quests mattered more like all that stuff if it goes back to feeling just like ah uh, yes i can be mean shepherd or i can be <laughs> good shepherd or i can be the less good version of both of those and not get what i want immediately in every conversation string like if i'm going back to that it's like why am i doing that it's it's strange because i feel like it's both their pride and their poison where like mass effect was that sort of first franchise to tell hey we're gonna have narrative choices that you made that are gonna carry across the franchise (laughs) but like also they have to keep upping that ante every time and that's gonna be so hard for them to do Yeah, I think we hit on most of the main big things. I mean, there's other things like it takes two from mm-hmm. the way out developer look interesting. Oh New map coming to Among Us. That was cute. Yeah, that was that pretty was cute. Actually, I so that that will lead into the awards talk because I, I love that team got mm-hmm. a lot of recognition. Yeah. Oh. Um, Outriders can honestly made me not want to buy it. Um, <laughs> it's going to make you ride out. <laughs> I'm going to leave. Dude, uh, this time last year, I was so hyped for that game. I was like, this will yeah. be my new my new multiplayer like looter shooter and now that they've actually shown stuff i'm like and it's been a year i'm like i don't care <laughs> yeah and then um oh that new warhammer looked interesting dark tide which is obviously yeah. a spiritual successor to vermintide hmm. but now we it's for like vermintide. yeah warhammer 40k wartime i like it i like it i want to actually cool. play one of those games but and we got more of monster hunter rise which was cool so yeah right true, true, there true. were like these right. morsels along the way which i i mean it didn't feel like last year's world premiere machine where, I mean, last year was hype where we got the first like Xbox Series X game. True, true. We yeah. got, um, oh, fuck. What was it called? I can't remember. Uh, Senuous Sacrifice 2, whatever that game's called. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and those moments were like super hype. I feel like this was trying to carry it. The, the Hellblade? Best... Hellblade? Hellblade. Hellblade. There we go. Nailed it. Yeah. Dude. So I, I feel like it, there was a lot of try like carried momentum, but I feel like a lot of these developers and studios are trying to maybe save and hold their announcements for their own sort of video conferences yeah but also i think the, like, the give them the jeff because you know jeff the game awards also probably suffered from two new console generations being launched and announced this year cycle so mm-hmm. a lot of the reveals that would have been at the game awards were instead at sony and and microsoft's yeah. reveals mm-hmm. yeah that makes sense i i didn't think this this year was like bad by any means no. but it definitely was no. a lot of like here's things to get you through droughts mm-hmm. kind of titles, yeah. right? Rather sure. than like, oh, this is the shit that I'm going to spend hundreds of hours mm-hmm. in, right? Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. And again, like I said at the top of, of this conversation, like I applaud Jeff for making it happen. Like the, the remote yeah. nature. By himself. Is, yeah, it's all, all him, all nobody no else. Help. 
<laughs> it, it must have been really hard and it must have taken a lot of staging and, and pre- preparation to do it safely it's but... obviously aged him yeah. uh, at least 10 years <laughs> oh kevin how do you think he sleeps i think he sleeps very <laughs> poorly okay i think um his entire year is dedicated to uh having anxiety about having a good game awards and nobody's ever like been like yo you did a shitty fucking job this year jeff nobody said that since that one year um with, with the gillette laser job. man he with the gillette well it wasn't even, <laughs> oh. even before that when it was like in a weird fucking warehouse mm. and they oh, had yeah. what's his face the guy from community who oh, joe McHale. joe McHale show up and act weird. like a dickhead to people that was the worst year that wasn't it wasn't even called game awards back then right wasn't it like vga still you yeah. might be right okay yeah yeah that's nightmarish <laughs> that's what keeps him up at night remembering those days but I, I have a question. Yeah. Do, what does he do the rest of the year? Like, I'm not even joking. Probably for his, E3 usually. He, he plays Half-Life 2. <laughs> he plays Half-Life 2 all year. I'm telling oh, you. The last okay. video game he's ever played. Yeah. He yeah. seems like a just social media hype man. Like, just generating yeah, small right? hype for video games and companies. So, and, like, kind of being this, like, intermediary for announcements. Yeah. How's he? <laughs> is he rich? Do you think he's rich? What is his name? He's got to be, right? He's got to be gamer rich. Yeah. He's got shark cards. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! But yeah. I, I did appreciate it because like this year's been rough, right? And to get this kind of event where it's like it's a celebration of gaming, where we haven't really gotten too much of that, like it felt good. Well, that brings me to the awards themselves. I know we're long in the tooth right here, but sure. let's uh, let's plow through. The Last of Us Part Two is the best game ever made, mm-hmm. according to the game. It awards. won every category. It won every category. Best it was game, even nominated. Best racing game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, best family game. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. Game for impact. Yeah, game for impact. Uh, no, that that bad boy, <laughs> that bad boy won game of the year. Um, and I actually want to go through the nominees here. Doom Eternal is on that list. Uh, Final Fantasy VII: The Remake, uh, Ghost of Tsushima, Hades, and Animal Crossing: New Horizons yeah. were on there. Um, Hell of a year! Like I yeah. gotta say, like there was no wrong answer for any of these titles, uh, except for Doom Eternal. Um, but yeah, I agree. <laughs> this, we, we talked about this before. I I agree, Daniel, that in another year, Doom Eternal could have won Game of the Year, but not this year. Not this year. Not this year. Final Fantasy VII slaps around. <laughs> last of Us slaps around too. Um, and then I, I know last, actually looking through the winners and nominees, Last of Us won Best Narrative too, mm-hmm. mm. which I agree with. I think Hades, would, it, it was in that category, but yeah. Hades, the way that it blends its storytelling with the gameplay, I absolutely love, but I think it's harder for people to like have a consistent story in their mind with like a beginning, totally. middle, it's, and end. It's too nested yeah. in, in the gameplay. Right, like I, they don't even realize stories happening to them basically uh, throughout. So that makes sense. But uh, who won best RPG? That was Final Fantasy VII, right? Final Fantasy VII. Right? Did. Yeah, that was not unexpected, but it was a little disappointing. Yeah, who were you uh, hoping that, was going to take? I, I still haven't even played it, so I can't say <laughs> if it's my favorite RPG of the year. I just don't think it will be. I think it should have. Okay, I thought it was going to go to uh, either Seven Remake or Persona Five Royal. Mm-hmm. I wanted it to go to Yakuza, but I knew it wasn't going to. Hmm. One of the reasons is Yakuza came out too late in the year, but the other reason is way too niche. Um, Final Fantasy VII Remake has, it's like, exists on the back of everyone's love of Final Fantasy VII, and Persona 5 Royals uh, exists on the back of Persona 5 already winning this award mm-hmm. uh, in the past. So, so yeah. Let's let's kind of go down the list of like some of the kind of more the notable major ones. ones. Yeah. So best score in music, Final Fantasy VII Remake, which I agree. I think those arrangements and scores were fucking killer. Yeah. Um, yeah. From from it the reconfigured stuff to like the battle music, I'm just like this this hits for me. 
Um, yeah. Best action adventure went to The Last of Us Part Two, which I'm kind of on the fence about <laughs> when you have like other games like ghost of tsushima spider-man miles morales star wars jedi fallen order coming back from getting snubbed last year <laughs> um like obvious winner i i really thought that kind of maybe would have went to ghost but you know it is what I it wonder, is i can't remember Shit's they right. always have a little blurb when you're voting and mm-hmm. i i kind of want to re- know what they define action adventure as because maybe that's why it won because mm. yeah i would say immediately i'd give based on what i what i believe action adventure is i would have given that to ghosts mm-hmm. like i love sure. ghost i think yeah ghost uh won best art direction right yeah which yeah. i agree with i mean i think hades and ori could have easily taken those but those are like immediately obvious artistically driven games mm-hmm. um but ghost did have a very consistent vision for what it wanted to do and yeah. it, you know it, it wasn't just like we're gonna be ultra realistic there was yeah. things in its world building and its design and even its ui like with the the following the wind mm-hmm. and such i was just like that's brilliant yeah that's absolutely what, what brilliant. ghost did with the ui and also <laughs> uh mixing the game entirely so that you could play it well in black and white and have it still like work and look good like yeah. that's crazy yeah that they were sure. able to do i that. forget what that mode's called uh it's kurosawa the mode? kurosawa yeah, mode thank kurosawa you mode. and they worked with yeah. the with the estate mm-hmm. kurosawa estate to get that look right yeah uh, that their whole vision for that game was it was perfect perfectly yeah. executed for, before it came out there was this kind of conversation about like okay can an american studio really make this sort of uh eastern game about japanese culture and history come to life in a way that doesn't feel cheap and they fucking nailed it mm-hmm. <laughs> So. It definitely did not feel cheap. No. It it felt earned. Like it felt really good. It's got a couple of issues theoretically here and there, but mm. they're issues that like every samurai movie has, even <laughs> samurai movies made in Japan, right? Yeah. Like these, it, it's issues that exist everywhere. So they don't even, they're not even relevant to talk about. We got, where are you at? I'm on best performance right now. Uh, mine are all out of order, but I'll, it's, oh we're on the same God. one. I mean, I'm going kind of chronologically down the list, like best family, Animal Crossing, New Horizons. Yeah, it's weird that's up there so high. Yeah. Why do they have best family? So Animal Crossing and best family? Okay, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Whatever. I think that makes sense. That's fine. Yeah. Like, I, I have no bones about that. Best debut game going to <laughs> Phasmophobia. Does mm-hmm. debut game mean it's the first game the studio made? Oh, I don't know if it means the first in an IP or the oh. first game a studio made. I don't know. Interesting. That's a good question. I know Carrion is the first game that that studio made. Gotcha. Hmm. I think Mortal Shell is the same deal. I hope it is. That'd be that. Maybe? That makes the yeah. category even better. <laughs> I think Phasmophobia like took Twitch by storm, and I, yeah. I haven't played it, but I, I've loved watching people react it's, to it. It's really good. <laughs> really good. <laughs> Uh, um, best performance like we have some heavy hitters here like ashley johnson as ellie laura bailey as abby uh the saiku chuji as jin sakai logan cunningham as hades uh and naji jeter as miles morales like these are all standout performances but yep. it ended up going to laura bailey as abby which i really can't disagree with either i think it's the right choice yeah, I, think I think it's the right choice too that's one <laughs> I, I chose above all of them. outstanding in that role. yeah mm-hmm Yep, totally agree with that uh, you one. Somehow, partially this goes to the writers as well, but you mm-hmm. somehow take you take us from a character that you just really dislike mm-hmm. at the start of the game for obvious reasons to someone that maybe I don't like them by the end, but you have a lot of empathy for them. You believe they're a real person, which mm-hmm. is sometimes hard to do in these games, especially mm-hmm. revenge stories, to make someone seem real. She did an amazing job. Yeah. yeah. Ashley Johnson as well did an incredible job, but I think Laura Bailey just had it, it harder yeah yeah for sure she was battling against a lot more and like you said to oh, yeah. take a character that we initially loathed to having compassion for them by the end yeah. was exactly the way that like you said the writing and then laura's per- 
performance of it. So, but again, like there, there would have been no wrong answer here because these are all no. She was the right answer, actually, right here. Laura Bailey, she <laughs> yeah. won. That's a... okay, okay, okay. That's <laughs> the okay. correct answer. It's, it's a highlight. No, a, I can B, see that. C, or E, it was B. Yeah. Uh, for best ongoing, we've got No Man's Sky, which I'll say I can't predict much, but I called that. You did call that for some reason. I would never have given No Man's did, Sky anything. Did we end up clarifying whether or not the patch that fixed the game came out this year or last year? <laughs> oh, we didn't. I, I actually think it was 2019. <laughs> yeah, because like, if that happened this year, I would 100% agree. Mm-hmm. But if it didn't, this makes no sense it's to confusing. me. It's confusing, yeah. I'm confused too. I mean, it's still ongoing. The patch came out and people kept playing it, right? It's the best. Sure. Yeah, I I guess so. Maybe they kept updating it. Maybe they did more to it. I don't know enough about No Man's Sky post-patch. I don't don't, want to play it. I don't think Sean Murray knows enough about it anymore where he was even surprised by the fact that he won. Yeah, he's like, oh, I'm surprised to be here. We all are, Sean. Funny. Yeah, he was like, I thought people were going to yell at me. (laughs) Um, We can blaze to the rest of these. Like, best sport slash racing. Tony Hawk. Tony Hawk. Fuck yeah. Fucking earned it uh best no, vr half-life great. alex duh that was like that was like yeah. the obvious if, one. if that went to any other game you could <laughs> literally just say like this fucking thing is rigged and we should <laughs> well, never watch it again there was no other vr game that even well, came close the slash ar though is kind of what throws it for a loop where That's i've true. heard great things about dreams so yeah dreams is cool but it's not half-life alex yeah yeah best action hades, hades. deserved it mm-hmm. fucking so good uh, yeah, although like, I can make an argument for Doom Eternal. <laughs> I mean, like yeah, the action in that game was amazing, but you know, nobody wants to get Neo, to Neo 2 could go in there too. Neo 2 is, uh, I've said this before, it has the best combat in any Souls-like game. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's the best Souls-like game, not even by a, far mar- by a margin, but its combat is better than any other Souls-like game. Mm-hmm. Unbelievably good. I got to try it. Uh, I know they're doing the upgrade for PS5, like both of them, Neo 1 and yeah. 2 are together. So I want to play that. But yeah, I, I definitely give this to Hades for sure. Mm-hmm. Best Artie? Best Ghost, yeah. Ghost, best narrative, Last of Us Part Two, which I know a lot of people are upset about this one as well. Mm. But there's been a whole yeah. general general sentiment of upsetness about yeah. the Last of Us Part Two. Genuinely, the like out of these that are listed, the only one that has a challenging narrative mm-hmm. actually has a challenging narrative that has something that it wants to say. I don't think it completely landed that, but mm-hmm. the fact that they attempted and were at least consistent throughout a very long experience, I mm-hmm. give them a lot of credit for because I think I would say. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry, no, no. Well, Ghost of Tsushima, like, I liked it a lot, but it was very much like a cookie-cutter origin story. Like, we've seen that before. Hades, again, we talked about its split narrative and stuff, or, like, how they, you know, coalesce the narrative with the gameplay is a little harder to track. I can't speak to 13 Sentinels whatsoever. And then Final Fantasy VII, I think it has better character work than it does story. Hmm. I think... Yeah, I think Hades could win this if you wanted to talk about narrative as integrated into gameplay. But overall, <laughs> Last of Us has better narrative. Final Fantasy VII Remake, I could see winning just solely on how like batshit crazy they went with their story for what we thought was <laughs> a normal remake. Yeah. But again, it's not as good or as well done or like you say, as challenging as Last of Us Part Two was. Yeah, like one of these games actually makes me think about its story Another one surprises me that it happened. And then Hades, I'm impressed by how they put the story into the gameplay, but it's not really the same. I think thing. that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Best multiplayer to Among Us. Yes. And yeah. I really love seeing that team mm-hmm. like just get emotional and, you know, it means something to them. It's a smaller team. Up. It was a labor of love. The game came out fucking two years ago mm-hmm. and yep. didn't do well and suddenly became like a storm during yep. this pandemic which surprises the hell out of them too mm-hmm. in fact they yeah. change their plans to do a part two completely yep. because they're like oh so many people onboarded to the yeah. original we don't want to abandon let's it. keep supporting it, i think that's really like yeah yeah great 
Inter- Inner Sloth was very humbled by winning not just that, but like best mobile game. And I just that small team, I think they're based out of like Seattle as well. Just that pure like joy and everything oh, they had down. for for winning. I'm just, just like, them. oh, it's cool. Run them up. What? What? <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, th- this is one of those games where it's like I feel like there's always like one or two multiplayer games a year that comes out that sweeps the world. Like you know, Fortnite, Among Us. Uh, PUBG, Fall Guys, Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> so so <laughs> No I mean, Man's Sky. <laughs> for a game that like has such acclaim for its simplicity and accessibility, like across all different like kind of consoles and devices, and the fact that you have big people playing it, like you have all the biggest yep. streamers, you have politicians playing it, like that's crazy. Yep. Yep. So well, yep. well deserved for them. I um, think the only thing on here that could have beaten them was Fall Guys, and I'm glad Among Us won. But Fall Guys is the new kid on the block kind of yeah. thing; like it just came out, so I could see that happening. But I'm yeah. really glad Among Us won. What about I think it's Valorant, fun. though, Nick? Everybody loves Valorant. Yeah, uh, Valor- famous what? game Valorant. Uh, I think that's a. I think it's a mod for CS:GO, right? <laughs> I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah, that one didn't um, seem to have as much steam as they were building it up to be, huh? Yeah. The ad campaigns for that game, my God, <laughs> they were really obnoxious. Games for Impact, tell me why. I've been wanting to play that. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I have Game Pass for my Xbox. The problem is my Xbox is sitting on the carpet covered in uh, Clementine's fur. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm probably just going to wait until I get an Xbox Series X to, to play, but I can't wait to actually dive into that because I really do like Don't Non as a developer. Mm-hmm. I yeah. really, really liked, um, what's the one that everyone likes? Life is Strange. There we go. Thank you. I forgot. <laughs> I was thinking before the storm. I mean, that's also Life I've is never strange. played that. Yeah. And I was like, how come I can't think of the goddamn title? Yep. It's like I'm going around saying Horizon or just saying Zero Dawn. <laughs> anyway. But yeah, that, that was a good one. No, I've heard good things about. Um, oh, fuck, I already lost it. Tell me why. And like just in terms of like representation in terms of like, you know, biraciality and different cultures yeah. and all that. So, I mean, kudos to them. There, there are yeah. some other good games on there, too. But, you know. I wanted Spiritfarer to win, but tell me why is an absolutely fair win. Like they they worked really hard. Tell I also really like Kentucky Road Zero, but I don't think it belongs in this category. I don't know why it's here. <laughs> Games for Impact. Yeah. yeah, didn't that come out like forever ago? Why is there? Yeah, TV edition is the new edition. It's like the full non-episodic version of it. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, and there's a bunch of other stuff on here. Yeah. Like I, well, the, I feel Hades did get robbed here and there. I am glad that they took best indie game because sure. like that game yeah. deserves oh recognition. Holy shit. Hades yeah. is like a marvel. Uh, anything else on here you want to call it? It's important to just mention really quickly. Last of Us 2 wins innovation and accessibility because that yes. was sure. a pretty big deal. That's yeah, that, that game has a lot so of many, options. Like, yeah, it was like 50 to 100 plus like options for accessibility. It's awesome. Everything. Yeah. And that's the sort of. I mean, Naughty Dog, we're going to talk about it in a bit. Like, they get flagged for a lot of, like, horrendous work practices and, like, all this other stuff. But, like, to kind of have that eye and, and care for, like, stuff like that that matters to them as a company, like, I'm glad that they put it in there. Because, like, that was at the top of the conversation when it came out, at least. Along totally. With everything else that kind of got mixed in with it. But, yeah. Um, cool. Well, I guess we're all done with running down the, the winners and everything. We're all done there. Now, one thing, um, the one of the leading conversations come out of the Game Awards is that uh, Last of Us Part 2. What? They're rigged. Uh, they gotcha. <laughs> the Last of Us Part 2 won Best Direction. And um, one major point of contention there is that the game was obviously made under conditions of crunch. Uh, Jason Schreier reported about it uh, earlier this year, mm-hmm. which I think read like right after its first delay and mentioned that that delay wasn't meant to like help any of its workers Mm -hmm. in fact they would it just meant that they would extend the period of crunch that they would suffer through right and 
I, I, it's, I think it's an interesting conversation and a valid thing to say. It's like, well, the, the direction that the game was made under, um, came at a cost, like a big cost. And I think it leads into the fact that like games, the size and scope of the last of us are unwieldy to the point where I don't even think AAA is like very sustainable. And a good point that Daniel Ahmad made online is that Sony is able to get away with making these big single player uh, exclusive games because they offset the cost because like they own these studios that are making them versus having to play pay whatever fees or whatever exchange of hands happens for third party studios. Mm-hmm. But it, it doesn't make it any easier on the AAA devs that are under like Sony's stewardship to like release these fucking things. Right. And I have to wonder, like, is I think we look at the product, the end result in a silo. But if you look at the Game Awards categories, we're talking about impact. We're Mm. talking about like, you know, different influencers across the industry. So it's like we're thinking about how these things are made more so than Mm. just like, did you have fun? Yes or no. Mm. So does Nick, what do you think? Does, Does this go into a place? Should something like Last of Us even win that knowing that it was made under like these circumstances? Yeah, I've been I've been thinking about this a lot and uh my initial thought was like no or at least there should be more scrutiny. Mm-hmm. Um I was reading today uh on on Twitter there was another person involved in like game dev and stuff that was pointing out uh there was a kind of flaw with this criticism that I didn't really think about before now but that there's a distinct difference between director/direction and mm-hmm. production/producer. Mm-hmm. Right. And that production best game like best game production or best game producer might be the thing you would be calling out if that award existed Mm -hmm. which it doesn't um or like best game studio right like if that was an award because the director often doesn't have much if any say related to crunch um sometimes Mm -hmm. they do or sometimes they are involved but don't really have a choice uh is which is what the guy was saying and that what we're really calling out is uh producers I still think it's a bit iffy. Like I don't I don't like the idea of rewarding games for doing messed up shit. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I just I don't like that. Uh but at the same time the counter argument is like well, like so many games do that and like where do you draw the line? There's so many different kinds of crunch. What kind of crunch is okay? What kind's not? blah 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 blah. So it's complicated. I've definitely softened a little bit on it since the other day. Um, mostly because of like yeah the difference between director and producer being brought up but uh it still kind of irks me you know yeah i think that just just that commentary alone speaks to it being very systemic rather than it being like single points of failure yeah of course you're gonna have your vps or whoever whatever like leadership the general idea of leadership being a causation for this thing but also there's a lot of exacerbating factors like you know the fact that there's a money stream coming through to fund these milestones for them to hit and that already creates a byproduct of crunch if any production delays or any difficulty in uh, making sure you're hitting these milestones occurs so it's like it's it's a system it's a system it's like it has to be basically fixed holistically rather than say it's neil Druckmann's fault or it's this production team's fault for thinking this way or it's a publisher's fault which yes (laughs) like everything is yes and no at the same time but it's more about hey everything's kind of fucked up in the system we need to basically start unrooting that and figuring out how do we change our production because i really do think the AAA development, we're going to continue seeing these high profile games come out like Cyberpunk, where it's like, how the fuck did you release this 
having as many years of you as you've had. And it's like, well, the honest truth is they could have been given 10 years to make that game and they probably would have still had the same problems because yeah. they're still developing games with the same mentality and under the same practices. We need to move away from that kind of idea, right? Even if it's, it means reducing the scope of these titles that we want. Yeah, exactly. It's almost like like the the reason you would want to exclude a game from winning an award like this is almost like because you you want to punish them in some way for doing it, but there's actually no avenue to because like you say, it's so many different like reasons for it. There's so many different like vines that are reaching out that are all causing the problem. And if the one I can point at is like, this game shouldn't have won best director makes me feel a little better, but it's not actually solving a real problem. No. And it's not even really acknowledging the real problem to do it that way. I think that's a complicated discussion, especially for like a consumer who just sees the byproduct, which is a totally the finished yeah. result and B the anecdotes from the people that are saying I had a miserable time making this. Right. So it's easy to be like, let, let me condemn this. Fuck this. Right. But I, I get why people from game production are coming out and saying like, here, I'm just giving you more insights to what this means before you make a black or white decision about how whether or not you support this or condemn something, right? And yeah, yeah it's, it's just a complicated conversation and it doesn't make a nice soundbite. That's kind of the problem, right? <laughs> um, it's easier to like, all articles or essays, even the way that J Jason Schreier writes, is meant to convince you in one direction or another. Um, and it's tougher to just totally accept that game production is good and bad all at once. People make a living off of it and people overcommit themselves thus perpetuating crunch and some people mandate it all are true yeah. and the thing is it's more about treating the body than trying to go after any sort of like extremity that you view as an issue so it's tough we should burn down naughty dog is what i'm trying to say <laughs> yeah yeah just <laughs> whole, destroy him the whole studio yeah, yeah yeah i think that makes sense to me it's it's complicated because one of these things would be like okay what do we do we disqualify them from getting an award okay what's just, that gonna do it's a, exactly it's just a game <laughs> award like yeah. okay cool they won one less award they're still gonna yeah, continue exactly. to do what they're it, gonna do it feels good <laughs> in the moment but it doesn't do anything right i think it's good to to call out and have these discussions mm -hmm. and have it yeah. be where it's like, hey, as a consumer, this matters to me. Mm -hmm. And it should matter to you because it, well, at the end of the day, I think what's really important is I'm saying it's informing my buying decisions, which mm -hmm. is something that we're not seeing happen, right? We're seeing <laughs> these big crunch, uh, crunch driven games still, still be super successful. Mm -hmm. So until that stops happening, I think that's like the only thing that might actually force function people. But I also understand why you wouldn't want to commit with just saying like, I'm not going to buy this at all. And hopefully the industry changes. No, somebody else is going to do it, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? So it's tough. It's like, how do you actually treat this? And I think it really comes down to people having mental shifts, essentially saying, I'm not going to approach production this way because it's unhealthy. Mm -hmm. Look at, and I think you have a lot of examples, Hades developer, mm -hmm. super giant, and how they commit to their, their practices of making games saying, we don't want to commit to crunch because we don't think that results in a good game. We don't think A leads to B in that situation. Mm -hmm. And we proved it by making a fucking stellar game without it. Yeah, there was a lot of counter arguments <laughs> when it came to like best game direction that were people were leaning towards Hades where it's like this game studio put out this phenomenal video game without the sort of conditions that Naughty Dog did. And, you know, not to kind of 
shift it one way or another, but it's like, okay, there are two different types of studios for one. Two different types and, of games and scope as well. It doesn't excuse it one way or another, sure. but like, I yeah. I do agree with like a, a lot of what the people are saying. And I hope these conversations, like, I would rather Neil Druckmann and Naughty Dog get scrutiny for something like this rather than a narrative choice they made with their characters. <laughs> you know, I don't really totally. care that fucking totally. character X got killed out by a character Y. Like, who cares? Like, that was their choice. They committed it to, for, committed to it for a reason. Mm-hmm. But I would rather us have these more open and honest discussions about like you know workplace conditions and crunch like that you know they're going to continue to happen but if we can at least address them and kind of work towards i don't know systematic change for it i think that's more important mm-hmm. but there there was a bunch of stuff that kind of came out around it i will kind of try and bridge some of the stuff here um a lot of it was kind of bouncing off of a kotaku editorial which was games made under crunch conditions don't deserve best direction award by ian walker mm. go check it out on kotaku um and then the counter argument is from these fans saying super giant and their work practices for hades is more deserving because of that um super giant studio director amir reo and writer and designer greg Casavin spoke to kotaku's nathan grayson actually last year about their workplace practices sustainability mm-hmm. and their anti-crunch practices which include unlimited time off force 20 days off for vacation and a strict no emails past 5 p.m on friday policy oh man now i mean these are like little things that you can have in place that go a long way i don't you know people still might do what they're gonna do they might still work a late day here and there but i think these are important little things that you can seed into a company to make a positive a a more positive work environment against crunch and, and bad practices oh yeah Um, A few good quotes from this article. I will pull them out here. Um, We've, this is from uh, Amir Rayo from Supergiant. We've been remarkably lucky to not have to navigate some of the really extreme pressures that independent game companies find themselves under because the game doesn't quite pan out because of uh, how they thought or development goes a little bit longer. We still exist in that space, but we've been fortunate to have our chemistry and bond get us through and have worked on games that we love that have found an audience, which enables us to sustain ourselves. We find our games, the concepts are a reaction to the previous game, but they are also just founded by the previous game. And that kind of cycle of like, okay, we're really just kind of running off the previous steam and fun we have from the last project to move us forward. And I mean, that's how a lot of projects go, right? You go from, product to product sometimes there's no break in between yeah so for a a little studio like them to have that kind of thought and foresight to gear how they kind of go from the one thing to the next is important um I'll, I'll take this last quote, actually. Um, it takes our existing interest in having a production discipline and makes us really refine that even more because if your milestone schedule involves crunching every milestone, your whole production process is broken, <laughs> right. says Cassavan. Yeah. Not only is an individual game development a marathon and not a sprint, but our whole journey is sort of a mega marathon where our success criteria for a game, a given game rather, is that we get to live another day and make another game like that. Right. And that, I mean, that just kind of feeds the cycle of like, okay, we're just moving from one thing to the next. But, you know, that's not all they are at the end of the day. The people that are working behind these products need to be taken care of, not just be seen as cogs in the the corporate piece. And I respect that. Not every studio is going to have that approach, right? Um, Sometimes it's going to take exposés, you know, like what happened with um, Rockstar Games and Red Dead to make them a little more insular and thoughtful of what they're doing moving forward. But at least these conversations are happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. What I mean, what would be a thing that kind of it's it's a hard thing to kind of say as a blanket statement, but like what could change to make these conditions better for companies, or or kind of you know make the whole industry move forward in a more, I guess, 
positive and productive note that doesn't involve like overworking themselves. Things change during production a lot, but a lot of it is your planning, yeah. the scope in your project, the resources that you believe you're going to need. Sometimes you need to have experienced people in those, what we what Nick said, producing roles mm. to understand this is feasible, this is it, this isn't, and we need to stick to this as much as possible. And we mm. also need here's something that isn't planned for in a lot of projects. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm speaking as a program manager sure. actually, which is account for things going wrong. Mm. Give yourself oh, yeah. leeway and time to say this feature or function may not work 100 percent on the day that I said that it should. Mm. So we need to figure out one, what is our contingency there, and two, how do we work around if we didn't have it. Things like that. So it's it's hard to envision these things. And I think when you get into situations where a lot of producers say, just make it happen. Mm -hmm. They have get it done policies. Sure. You need to yeah. fucking excise that from production. You need to say, no, 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 no. That's mm -hmm. not how it works. Hope for the best, but plan for the worst always. And we need to start reducing the scope of these projects as being these infinite fucking cyberpunk things where yeah. it's like, you can live out the life as a butterfly. And it's like, well, well what does that mean? And how does that make your game better? Mm. Shut the fuck up. We're not going to spend months on end trying to figure out flying mechanics for a butterfly just to scrap it three years into production. You need people to say like, nope, we're going to have the right guardrails in place. And we also need to understand what's feasible and what resources actually need to be implemented so people aren't sitting around the clock crunching 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 mm -hmm. and also that's another conversation about studio philosophies as well mm -hmm. which is um bioware historically has had been pretty bad about that too mm -hmm. where they just go around going things get figured out in the last hour because of that old bioware magic that was literally mm -hmm. in an article that jason schreier wrote about anthem and it's like no <laughs> it's hard work motherfucker in time mm -hmm. those are the two things that make stuff happen not magic <laughs> so you need to get these mentalities out of there right i don't know what do you what do you think about that nick i think it's basically what you were saying before um i i honestly think one of the biggest problems that studios have outside of trying to make games and like features and systems way outside of the scope of what they should be doing is uh they just having release windows before they're ready to have release windows mm -hmm. So just being like, we must release this game at this time of this year. Otherwise, we're totally boned. Like, that's such a stupid idea. I understand it to some extent. Like, you're like, oh, we want to hit the best windows. Like, it's one of the reasons movies get released at certain times. Or you don't want to get left behind by a game generation where, like, you want to be the first game to do this one thing so that people actually buy your game mm -hmm. uh, or you stay relevant or blah, blah, blah. But I think one of the biggest mistakes, especially big studios make, is they announce their games way too fucking early they announce them like years ahead of time and then the promises just pack on and on and on and on and so by the time the game is supposed to release it's impossible for it to be the thing that it's supposed to be unless you've worked insanely hard or it just gets pushed back for all eternity so it's like easier or not easier more reasonable expect expectations having a better timeline in place, like a sensical timeline, but also just not having a locked down. This thing must be out at this time, no matter what, when the scale of your project is humongous. Like if you want to have one of those lockdown windows, make it something you know you can make within that given time frame. Not something where you're pushing every limit possible in video games and you're making something no one's ever seen before. Because like that's just crazy. Uh, but I just defined project guidelines. I really honestly don't think these these uh, companies have enough of that. These things shift so constantly, which again is normal, but like mm -hmm. it doesn't it doesn't seem conducive to actually producing something. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, I totally agree. And it's also about having the right heads in the room and making yeah. sure that, you know, you have somebody with uh, a decent amount of experience to, well, have gone through all the pratfalls of production and making sure yeah. that they're not a toxic entity themselves that mm-hmm. believes in people staying around the clock or or chastising or even fostering an environment where people feel bad for going home at 6 p.m. Mm-hmm. Oh right? my God, like yeah. that shit needs to end. That is Those not things- a positive thing. The mm-hmm. thing, those things where the companies always say things like, well, crunch is never mandatory. People stay because they want to stay. And it's mm-hmm. like, sometimes that is true. Honestly, sometimes people are so inspired mm-hmm. that they're like, I do want to stay and work harder. But most of the time what's happening is the people are saying like, oh, yeah, you, you can go home. Steve's going to stay. <laughs> Steve's going to stay. He stays every night. And, you know, like that's that's why we push stuff. But you can go home. It's cool. And then yeah. you're just like. Oh, well, fuck me, I guess. Um, <laughs> you kind of feel guilted about it. And there's this yeah, of course you do. Steve's working hard. Well, there's also what they're not saying, such as, but next time, you know, performance reviews come up, mm. I'll yep. remember this. Or, hey, next time there's an opportunity for you, yep. I'll remember Steve is what they're it's, basically It's implying. literally that classic thing, with which happens in like every company, basically, yep. where you have a job description. And then when you're up for a raise or like a review of any kind they're they're asking you how you think you did and stuff and you're like oh, i think it did great i did all this and this, and they're like but do you think you really went above and beyond and i'm like no because that's not <laughs> part of my job mm-hmm. <laughs> like why would i work harder if i'm not going to be rewarded and that's the problem here is that these people have to work harder and may or may not even be rewarded for it right like it's crazy are- <laughs> or having a, a system where contractors are trying to like bust their ass just to get a oh full-time position oh, yeah and the studio never intended to do that or a publisher never intended to do that it's yeah. just like exploiting their work and labor yeah it's you, like you, when the game is shipped you're gone right you no have that what? uh that similar but kind of flipped thing where it's like yeah you crunch like crazy to produce the game and then all the layoffs happen mm-hmm. yeah yeah like oh god totally not worth it so that that nope. shit has to end completely yeah yeah it's it's a complicated conversation right I, I think there are right answers to it but it's like how soon is this change going to happen and i don't yeah, want to say how you get there right yeah. mm-hmm. i don't always want to say that it comes down like it's the fault of the producers directors and immediate team because they're probably getting pressure from above their publishers their head studio to make things happen by deadline but i think it is their responsibility to stand up for their team in ways and make those decisions where they can realistically turn around to their investors or publisher and be like hey i don't think we can realistically meet this window this deadline window can we have more time you know and have that not be a kind of toxic conversation that goes back to them where it's like okay do this or else it's like no well we're trying to get this product out that we really love and have labored towards we need more time or our team is going to break i think it it does come down to like you know the neil Druckmanns and and directors to have these harder conversations with the people who are pushing at them um, Mm. because they need to stand up for their teams but sometimes it comes from like the hauser brothers where it's like okay they are you know (laughs) the immediate team they are the publisher and the developer and everything in between which is tough yeah it's tough situation because those are the guys that were doing that kind of thing we're like yeah we basically live at the studio and we expect that from our employees wink Mm -hmm. wink (laughs) right like oh you don't have to do it but uh i'll notice when you don't (laughs) i can't imagine what it feels like to be working at a studio where like your director or somebody high up in the thing is like one of those well like like Druckmann for a while uh where like people are like yeah this guy's a genius like he's so fucking good. Like this guy will make masterpiece art. And then you see him working overtime and shit. And you're like, Oh, I guess I also have to do that. Yeah. Right. Like it's why, yeah. why wouldn't you follow the example of the guy who's carrying the company yeah. on his shoulders, you know? Right. And it's up to these leaders to recognize. Yeah. You, some of your work habits 
are, well, toxic for other people around you, even if you don't intend for it to be. The fact that you are staying up until 11, answering email after email, missing time out, just because you can or you're driven in a different way, doesn't mean that you're setting a good example. Yeah. Because you're not. I'm I'm sure it's harder even now. Like, there's no physical presence because a lot of these companies are work from home but I, I imagine just being home it's like oh i can stand to work 30 minutes more or an hour totally. more because i don't have a commute you know sure and those i had a blur. i had a um i had a contract thing i had to do a little while ago just to do some research and they literally told me very like very nicely and everything they were like do not put more than eight hours of work into this you invoice us for whatever you put in but if you put more than eight hours of work just don't we don't need more work than that that's what we'll pay you for mm-hmm. either way but like we do not need more work than that and i was like <laughs> totally makes sense i put 12 and a half hours of work into it and invoice them for eight because my brain was like i want to do the best possible job i can i can work harder on this i'm at home it's not that bad mm-hmm. and it's like there was no reason for me to do that no like even the company was telling me <laughs> not to and i did it anyway and it's like it's very easy to even unintentionally benefit from that kind of behavior mm-hmm. and so when you're doing it intentionally it's even more like insidious and and Difficult to stop, honestly, because if you've been running a company for 10 years and everybody's been crunching for every one of your games that's produced and you've paid them based on like the normal amount of work they should be doing, but they're crunching all the time and all that stuff and you're, you're not giving them bonuses, all that kind of thing. And then suddenly you have to write shit and do it correctly. Like you're going to take a financial hit and it's going to feel bad. So nobody ever wants to do that. Yeah, you're right. Some of these studios that have been around forever do not have the knowledge base to make games any other way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're so used to it. Like uh, NetherRealm actually was accused of that too. It's like yep, it's, apparently it's fucking really shitty to work for NetherRealm Studios despite yeah. their high bar for quality, right? And it's like, oh, this high bar for quality is a result of the fact that they have such a such toxic work conditions and don't know how to pivot around it. Yeah, you need to bottom that shit out sometimes. Again, it's a system. It's a system that's a problem. I just hate that, like, high quality equals this, equals crunch, equals toxic environments. Like, it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah, and fuck the the gamer defenders that show up in the replies of every goddamn (laughs) Twitter post about this shit, going like, I work 79 hours a week, and that's totally fine, and everyone else should too. Like, nope, nope. They're having fun. They're making video games. That's fun fun. Mm -hmm. All they're doing is fun fun and no, it's work, man. I don't care if they're working on uh, a rocket ship or Last of Us Part 3. It's work and it's time. And it's time that they're not, well, with their families or at home or recharging or being a human being. <laughs> right? Yeah. You got to keep that in mind. So, yep. Yeah. <sighs> don't crunch. Nick, don't crunch. Kevin, Kevin don't crunch. crunch. I'm a bunch of crunch. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think that's... uh. Yeah, I think we had a doozy of an episode, two and a half no hours kidding. of just like I'm nonstop everything. Just everything. You could say we crunched on this episode, but Fuck. we had fun oh, doing shit. it. Damn it. <laughs> Son of a bitch. I did I did uh, work on the dock last night and this morning. Oh, After no. working eight hours. After working eight hours. <laughs> I worked too hard. Well, then I should I should end this. Yeah. Nicholas, <laughs> I want to thank you for coming on board, mm-hmm. giving us your thoughts, uh bearing your gamerness mm-hmm. at us. It's, thank you. Yeah the greatest i did that i did bear my gamerness that's that is something that i that i did i appreciate it well no thanks for acknowledging it my hard work yeah it was very good we we appreciate you uh there were two things that made this episode happen it was obviously jeff Keeley and uh nicholas dinchcomb and nothing else
<laughs> Jeff Keighley's probably personally responsible for the entire gaming industry, if we're being honest. Probably. Yeah, if we're being honest about that. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. Um, but to shout you out one more time, like I, like we said at the top, you can find Nick uh, streaming over at twitch.tv slash makemonsters. We also didn't shout out that he has a podcast of his own, whatever oh, pod. Yeah. Check it out on Twitter, <laughs> oh, yeah. at pod underscore whatever. It is a kind of, how would you describe it? Like a movie entertainment podcast that you yeah. do with your partner? My, yeah, my partner, Yana, and I, uh, we haven't done an episode in a while, but we're going to start it up again soon. We watch movies that we either haven't seen or have seen like a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And structurally, we just stop every once in a while, <laughs> talk about the previous part. Then we start watching the movie again. So you get to hear chunks of us trying desperately to remember what happened. Sometimes there's been alcohol. Uh, often I will put out a hit on someone's life during it. So <laughs> it's sense. pretty entertaining. Yeah. I like that you scaled yourself for our show and threatened all gamers. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I mean, I'm coming on a real big podcast, right? So I gotta, I gotta scale it up. That's true. Oh, we're coming at you, Beyond. <laughs> I mean, we're we're the biggest <laughs> podcast that didn't get Cyberpunk early, and we weren't invited to the Game Awards. So it's because um, you weren't crunching. You guys weren't crunching. Mm, that's true. If we keep on crunching on the podcast, we can't. We can't benefit, right? The coattails of the industry, dog. That's right. That's Damn, right. That makes sense. Well, if, if you wanted to catch this uh, award-winning podcast, I noticed we weren't uh, nominated this year, but that's because we wanted to move aside for uh, the up-and-covers. You know, we've been in the game too long. Uh, it's the hard-hitting can... journalism, really. They're scared of you. Yeah. I, I would be scared of me. I am scared of me. Yeah. I am afraid of what I can do, especially in front of a microphone. Uh, but you can find the Save Room, of course, uh, on Twitter at Save Room Show if you wanted to add us for whatever reasons. I can't figure out what that, that's used for. But otherwise, you can find the Save Room anywhere there's podcasting services, Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud.com slash the Save Room Show. <laughs> yeah. Well done. Well done. Anything else, Dan? I, I got nothing else. Got uh, nothing? I'm happy to be here. I'm in a happy place with with two good dudes, and uh, I, I hope to play more video games with you guys and and just diss on the gamers more. Cool. Did, yeah. Didn't you hear gaming? Gaming is over. There aren't any more video games. I keep <laughs> taking that threat as an empty threat, and I'm gonna keep looking that way. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys see that Evil Dead game? By the way, that was so fucking solid. Really oh cool. my god, oh. I'm so excited. Boomstick, Bro. baby. Boomstick. Yes. All right. Well, good night, everybody. Remember, save your games. What? (laughs) Nick doesn't.